And welcome once again to Double Oz 7, a James Bond podcast. The only James Bond podcast to come from a small office in the suburb of West Moona in Hobart and Tasmania, as well as a small room somewhere in Canada and a small room somewhere in Snug. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, my name is Ben. We are here to talk about the third James Bond film, Goldfinger. And uh, as I just said, my name is Ben, and you can expect me to talk. I'm uh, Colin, and if you're a James Bond fan and not listen to this podcast, that's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Noah Grove. <laughs> Good. <laughs> nice drop it. <laughs> wow, wow, we're off to a we're off to a good start here to today. Um, fantastic. Uh, well, uh, it's a it's a big movie, Goldfinger. Um, often considered one of the, if not the greatest James Bond film of all time. Uh, a movie that really introduces and sets us up for uh, the future of Bond movies. We had a few elements of that in From Russia With Love, a little bit of elements in Doctor No, but this is probably the, the real main one that um, really sets a formula for how a James Bond movie will work. And uh, I... Just on a rewatch again, it's such a good film and enjoyed it thoroughly. And it's, it's, I think it stands up after all these years. I mean, we're looking at what 50 years now, 51 years since this film uh, was made at the time of recording this in 2015. And for me, I don't know about you, Colin and, and Noah, but uh, it really does stand the test of time after all these years. I completely agree. Uh, I've said already a couple times, and I will say again, at least in an, uh, another week or so, that my introduction to James Bond, my real introduction came the night that I saw Tomorrow Never Dies. I came home, and there was a marathon of Bond movies on, and this was the first one on. And I can't honestly say, as much as I love Dr. No, and as much as I love Thunderball, I don't know if I would have stayed up all night watching the movies if I had seen one of those first. I may have just recorded it and gotten to it a day later. Goldfinger was the first classic one I saw, and coming right back from a Pierce Brosnan movie and Goldfinger's on TV, which is considered the greatest, this is the perfect movie for anybody to get into James Bond. If you like Dr. No, you know, you're probably a fan of classic spy movies. If you like From Russia With Love, you like more serious spy movies. Goldfinger is where it just becomes fun, and as you said, Ben, everything that we'd come to know about James Bond kind of fits in here and all uh, explodes from this point on yeah i had so much fun re-watching this film as i always do um it's not one of my personal favorites as a lot of people say it's the greatest but it's probably my top 10 i would say um and we'll talk later about the differences between directors uh terence and guy but this just went by in a lightning pace. It like, felt like it was over just when it was getting started. Like, zoom, 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 zoom. And we'll touch on that. But, 
this is just a really strong film. Uh, these first three is probably the best three consecutive films in Bond history, really. Well, it's amazing to think, I know we touched on it a little bit in From Russia With Love, but this is the third Bond movie in three, well, in two years, basically. Um, and then, of course, Thunderball came out the following year. So the first four Bond films were done within three years of each other, which is would be unheard of now unless it's a freaking Hunger Games movie or something like that. But, um, it, I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. And, and touching on, of course, as you said, Noah, um, a different director, um, out of those four films that we had in those three years, if people obviously don't know, um, yeah, Guy Hamilton directed this movie um, with Terence Young, the director of Dr. Noah from Russia with Love, returning with Thunderball. And I was reading that, interestingly enough, he wanted a cut of the um, earnings from the James Bond movie as part of his salary, which they said no. But they ended up giving that to Sean Connery, um, which I mean, he nearly died, I think, in this film, from what I was reading. Um, but yeah, I, I think do you, more money for Nikki. More money for Nikki. <laughs> do, do you feel as though that it was? I mean, in the grand scheme of James Bond films, Guy Hamilton w- could be credited in a way for setting up this formula, as we were mentioning, because um, you know, Doctor No and From Russia with Love compared to Goldfinger, you know, there. I mean, lots of similar similarities, but also quite different. Do we need to thank Guy Hamilton for setting the ultimate formula for a James Bond film? I think that Guy Hamilton is partly responsible. It's kind of an odd situation because of those first four movies, you know, Terrence Young has always said there were three Bond books he wanted to do, Dr. No from Russia with Love and Thunderball. And they chose to make this one third. Um, This would not have fit for Terrence Young. It kind of had to be Guy Hamilton because of all the Bond books, and I I don't know if Noah's uh, as familiar with this one, but Goldfinger was the funniest book. And this is definitely one of the funniest Bond movies. Not even just funny, but overall fun and a little bit more cartoony than the other ones we had. That's kind of Guy Hamilton's style. I think what we get of him in the 70s is a little bit too much, and that's changing with the times. When you get to the 70s, everything's campier and everything's a little bit less classy. But right here in 1964, Guy Hamilton's sense of humor and Guy Hamilton's uh, little bit of cartoony style was the perfect fit as the 60s was still a little bit classy at this point. Yeah, I've always credited five people for the character of James Bond. Um, Fleming, Sultan, Broccoli, um, Connery, and Terence Young. But perhaps Hamilton should be number six as well, because you're right, he really does embellish the formula and really goes all out. And you notice in the first scene, he's saying, Bond, James Bond, like they're bringing all this stuff back from the first two films that maybe weren't even catchphrases at the time and just really expanding on it. So I think he Hamilton is one of the most important figures in the history of the series, really. We should also touch on this uh, in terms of the order of the books. This actually was the seventh book that Ian Fleming wrote uh, about James Bond, but uh, the third film. I actually didn't know Moonraker was written before Goldfinger. There you go. I'm learning something today. Um, but... Yeah, well, they wanted to do Thunderball once again, like Dr. No, but we'll, we'll touch on that next. I should also mention, too, in terms of the production of this film, the budget was um, expanded significantly for this film. The budget combined for Goldfinger was that of the combined budgets of Dr. No and From Russia with Love, $3 million, which uh, I read in today's terms is about 25 or 
$22 million, something, one of those. Much of that is is uh, in gold salt. Probably, yes. Um, <laughs> Ask Grant. Yes. But, uh, and it's, it's widely considered the first Bond blockbuster, and it also was the first Bond film to actually receive an Academy Award, uh, which it did, I believe, for the sound editing. Am I correct in saying mm. that? Um, so, yeah, and... Again, we'll probably touch more so on the legacy and everything at the end because we're going to talk through the film. But uh, you look at a lot of these lists from anyone, be it you know from regarded magazines or shitty podcasts like ours. Um, it's it's usually in the top five um, greatest of all time. So, what about in uh, Rolling Stone? <laughs> Let me check that up. <laughs> Actually, it did make the top five, didn't it? On Rolling Stone, we should keep that list out for everyone. I mean, Die Another Day made it to number ten on that list, so you know it's a good list. That which list. is why we should burn the list. <laughs> <laughs> And the <laughs> um, All right, but of course, one of the, the elements that it really did introduce, and I think, Noah, you touched a little bit on this in our last episode, our special Sprechter trailer episode, was the pre-credit sequence, uh, pre-title sequence that really, in the grand scheme of things, is just a separate mission, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the plot. I mean, there is a bit of a tie into the plot, of course, in the opening sequence um, with this one, but realistically, we get... Bond, he's in, uh, where is he? Is he in Miami, is he? No? Mexico. Mexico, I knew that. Latin America, I'm reading here. Mexico, that's Latin America, isn't it? Um, and he's there to blow up the, the drug factory with the conveniently uh, placed barrels of nitro, just for him to know where uh, what to blow up. And we get the, the bird on the head. Uh, which must be a bitch to wear. Um, and we get him breaking in, I think, probably the most easily accessible door in the history of the world. But this is the first time that we actually get to see a real James Bond in a pre-title sequence. He's not some Spectre agent with a very uh, well-placed mask. But uh, it's it's a fun opening sequence. And particularly, of course, we have the, the scene where it's been parodied so many times where he removes the wetsuit to have a tuxedo, which is perfectly crisp and ironed and not wet. And, you know, nothing's wrong with it to attend a party. But again, sort of as we were touching there in the introduction, it's fun. And um, I, I think it's one of the best opening scenes in all the Bond movies. Yeah, I agree. I I, I'll, every once in a while, I'll go back and I'll do my rankings of the best pre-title scenes. And despite the fact that this isn't, you know, a scene with massive stunts or any big action scenes, it's very simple. It's not even one huge sequence. It's kind of a, two or three things going on in the course of five minutes. I mean, it's just everything works so well in it. With the, the duck hat or goose hat <laughs> or whatever it is he's wearing... The one thing that always bothered me was that when he rips it off his head, the sound effect may be the worst sound effect in the history of Bond movies because it sounds like somebody horking up a wad of phlegm. <laughs> but yet, in order for it to make that sound effect, it would probably have to uh, be placed on a wet head and his hair is completely dry. But, uh, I think you're the, the other man with the golden gun barrel roll car. Uh, oh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> place sound effect for yeah, comic purposes. Um, it's also very curious in here when he fires the grappling the gun, up gun because I never, I can never quite figure out where it's coming from because the rope that shoots up is somewhere about three feet away from his feet. <laughs> so where is it coming from? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I, yeah, this... From Russia With Love has a pre-title sequence, but this is the real first pre-title sequence, I would say. Um, and let's not talk about boom ba da boom ba da boom ba da boom um, <laughs> But it's just everything. You've got uh, funny in there, you've got awesome with the grappling hook, and you've got a fight, you've got the suit, which is amazing, and the white tux coming back for Spectre, which is going to be amazing as well. Um there's just so much in here, and it's just a mini-adventure. It's it's a whole film. You could make a film around this. This could be the climax of a film before this, and that's what I love about the pre-title sequences, and that's why I'm all for unrelated pre-titles. I just like it where it's a fun little mission at the beginning, and then the real mission starts after the title sequence. But this is just so great, and um, the reflection in uh. the eyes of the girl. And... <laughs> Bob using her as a human shield? <laughs> like, that was crazy. Um, it was like, whoa, <laughs> Bob, like, he doesn't care about her. Um, and, of course, the classic quote, shocking. Um, <laughs> Positive shocking. So, yeah, I, w- I would say this would be up. I've never ranked the pre-titles uh, like Colin, but if I was to, this would probably be in the top ten. It's just really fun, and it's really just a... a Kind of fragment of what the entire film will be. It's it's large, larger than life. It's got funny. It's got action. It's got everything. So I love. It. I like the fact that when he's uh, walking into the club and the bomb goes off, he's just you know the calmest one in the room, which usually would give <laughs> away the fact that he's the guy who actually just blew it up. Um, and his contact. W- were there any Russian clocks? <laughs> yeah, Russian clocks are never up. <laughs> And the the contact that he speaks to me, you've got to go to Miami. It's not Miami. It's Miami. Um, and we get his first kill. We didn't mention that in terms of um, the the yeah the opening sequence. He kills who is it? The guy who's just trying to randomly kill him after the reflection in his eye. Just Tito. Ran- <laughs> random guy in room. Is that the character that he plays? Yeah. Well, let's call him Bathtub Boy or something. Bathtub Boy, <laughs> yes. And um, oh, he nearly got his first, like, root in the first opening minutes as well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bond was pretty busy on the Kiss Kiss Bang Bang count yes. at the start of this. There is one thing I want to say. I never really thought about it until Noah said about how this mission that isn't really related to anything else, about what a difference that makes on the movie. Because if you think about it, there is actually more than from Russia with love or even some of the recent ones, there's a large number of these opening scenes that have a relation to the plot. Even if it's just very minor, if you look at the spy who loved me, there's a minor thing in there that connects it to the plot or a couple of things. And that's something that's pretty common, but the pre-title scene, the fact that it's so easygoing and, you know, he's killed a person he's blown up, you know, a plant, uh, he's used a woman as a human shield. (laughs) He's done pretty much everything, but you can just forget about it and move on, and that's kind of the tone of this movie, is that when something bad happens, you're not sitting there dwelling on it, and that's the difference between a disconnected opening sequence versus what we saw in From Russia With Love, where it can't really end on a fun note. So I think the fact that this movie is so fun really starts with the pre-title scene, where you can just let this be done with and move on from there. Yeah, well, I'm all for the unrelated, and I hope they bring that back for 25 um and like Colin to end on a fun note, maybe not too fun, like Jaws uh, flying into a circus. Uh, not that fun, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm definitely pro unrelated sequence. Not that I'm 
anti the other ones, but this stands up a lot better than some of the later ones. Well, of course, after the opening sequence, we get into one of the most famous and well-loved songs of all time with our... Oh, um, The lovely Shirley Bassey. I have to say, as great as the song is, and I, I don't know if I'm alone here, it's quite a boring opening sequence with the just the gold paint woman and a few scenes from other Bond movies as well as this movie. So um, I, I just kind of just took time to listen to Shirley and didn't really... I lost interest in what was actually on the screen. Um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Maurice Binder was well known for doing all of these opening sequences for the Bond movies. And from what I understand, I don't think that he was involved. I think it was one movie where he didn't do the opening sequence. Can you guys confirm that? Um, yeah. I know there was one. I'm trying to think if it was Goldfinger. I will. I um. will. Because um. <laughs> that would make the difference, I think. Because I, I, I agree with you. I kind of like the whole gold paint and scene reflection, but there is something about this opening, this this title sequence that doesn't stand out as much as Dr. No from Russia with Love, Thunderball, any of the other 60s movies, really. On, the, on my trivia list, I can't see anything related to that, but I'm not going to say you're wrong because that probably sounds right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't see... Again, if you look at his IMDb credits, it doesn't have him credit for Goldfinger. So I'll assume that this is... Colin Trite, everyone. Ball. Colin Trite. There we go. Um, and that's the difference. Fun little fact that some people might not know um, is the actress who plays Dink is actually the model for the intro, the gold-painted model. So there you go. there's a little bit of trivia, Dink trivia. <laughs> uh, another bit of uh, Dink trivia here is that the opening <laughs> credits uh, for this, the theme song, was originally to be called Gold Dink. <laughs> 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 oh, Dink, 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 honestly, was robbed of... Um... Well, well, there actually is a, uh earlier demo version of this song with, Dink. like, mm-hmm. a guy singing um Not as good. Really? Oh, okay. Well, who's the guy? Do you but, know? Uh, is it Guy I'm Hamilton? Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm with you. The intro is boring. It's just showing you clips of what you're about to see. <laughs> It's like a trailer for the film that you're at the cinema watching. Um, <laughs> um, but it's still early days. It, it's a better expansion on the belly dancers from, from Russia With Love. Um, so it's not too bad. But the song is not one of my favourites. Really? It's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's just not my favourite Bassy song. Is um, it not the quintessential James Bond theme? Yeah, but that doesn't mean it has to be your favourite, though. Um, well, sure it does, because <laughs> every, every person knows somebody who's not that familiar with James Bond, and no matter what song, you're like, hey, remember the song from License to Kill? They're like, yeah, License to Kill. <laughs> it's the default. It's the default go-to. Like the... Yeah, no, it's amazing, and I love when it kicks up, like going crazy, and Bassie's really good. It's just not in my top five of all time, and I like Bessie's other one, the second one, better than this one. But I still think all around it's an amazing song that fits the film so well. I was disappointed. I don't know what kind of spider touch he has. Is he Spider-Man? Well, he's Batman with the gun, um, so now he's Spider-Man. Uh, so he's he's just a wide variety of suits. Like you don't need the Marvel a, universe when you've got James Bond taking them all off. 
it is amazing when it goes into the theme, though. Like, the main theme. Like, our spiders. Dun, dun, dun. That's amazing. That's my favourite bit. I was disappointed when Goldeneye came out that they didn't make it Goldeneye. Exactly. Uh, like, that's what you want. Um, and, of course, it was, it's one of three that um, Dame Shirley Bassey um, played. She, she's uh, How old is Dame Shirley Bassey? Do we know? Oh. <laughs> she's, she's currently 78 years old at the time of recording. This. Really? I thought she was so older she would than have that, been, yeah. She would have been in her mid to late 20s at the time of recording it. Wow. According to the song. And she, she's recorded the most, hasn't she? Like, that, that's not even a question. That I don't think anybody else has even done a second, unless you count John Barry. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But, uh, look, I think when... When you think of James, I mean, when they had the 50th anniversary the other year at the Academy Awards, they got Shirley Bassey to come out and, and sing. Um, and of course, yeah, and it was hard. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, I don't know if uh, she's released much recently, has Old Dame? Uh, she had an uh, album last year. Did she? Was it called Goldfinger 2? Or... <laughs> Are you going to tell us how horrible that one is, Noah? <laughs> it was called I Do Other Things Other Than Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> Shirley Bassey has just dropped from appearing on our show in the next episode. Thanks, <laughs> Noah. Well, she may be doing Spectre. It's got to be Bassey. Well, like, that would be great. Like, I don't think anybody would be against Shirley Bassey doing she another one. She recorded a song for Quantum of Solace, and it wasn't chosen, which, shame on wow. the producers. Jesus, that's shame. way to shit all over your history. <laughs> You're the one who's saying, like, she was awful at the Oscars, but no, they totally should have. Yeah, but Alicia Keys, come on. <laughs> yeah. Another way to die. Um, <laughs> that was still better than that. You sure it wasn't? Another way to die. <laughs> 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 right, right, we'll get to that. Stop screaming at each other and sing the song. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the title credits. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, Shirley Bassey, over all these films. So um, we'll, we'll see you soon, Shirls. Um, but then we get this amazing <laughs> sweeping shot of uh, Miami. Um, Last bit of exposition. Yeah. Welcome to Miami. Yes. <laughs> oh, we must be in Miami. <laughs> and then the subtitles down the bottom say London. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a great sweeping shot, and I love the fact that then you sort of zoom in on this guy diving off a board. I thought that was Bond. Um, I'm thinking, there we go. <laughs> Is James trying out for the Olympics? Uh, and then uh, we get this. Sh- That's a great shot. It is, and then the whole inside of the hotel there's an ice skating rink in um, Miami. Fantastic. And then um, we... I want to go there. Oh, I do too. Particularly if uh, Dink's there. Uh... <laughs> we get to meet Dink. We get to see Felix, the, the new Felix. Not quite as attractive as the Dr. No Felix. Um, and then we get started here. Um, and I'll just end it. Can we talk about Felix before we jump into anything? No, I just... I will be, we talk about Felix. But the one thing I just wanted to mention um, was the best, uh, most sexist line in the history of James Bond up until 1964. <laughs> Say goodbye to Felix. Man, talk. Slap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Connery. Uh, yeah, well, with Felix, I think it's clear that all those long nights at Pussfella's Bar have taken his toll. <laughs> aged about 30 years in two years. So Felix is not I, looking good in this movie. <laughs> I, this, 
honestly, if Jack Lord was in the film, Goldfinger would be two spots higher in my rankings. Like, this just, it ruins everything for me. I can't watch this film without cringing and just wanting to punch the TV. Uh, Sek Linder, or whatever his name is, um, is by far the worst feeling. He ruins everything. It's supposed to be... Bond's buddy, not Bond's uncle. Like <laughs> it's horrible. He would not be a CIA agent, and he's just no screen presence, no um, chemistry between him and James. Everything that Jack Lord had, Sec Linda has none of it, and it's just painful to watch. And imagine if Jack was in this film, how much better it would be. Like I, I can't, I can't do well, it. No, I have to uh, burst your bubble here. Because uh, Jack Lord is uh, actually one year older than Sec Linda. No, <laughs> no seriously, it's true. absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> Jack Lord born nineteen twenty. It's age is just a number. Well, that was like that time on. It was a quick little segue here. Sean McAuliffe had a show once, and uh, they posted up a picture of Mick Jagger next to our former Prime Minister John Howard, who are actually only separated by about a year or two. And um, <laughs> Sean McAuliffe goes, "The message here: drugs work." Because <laughs> John Howard, yeah. if you don't know what he looks like, looks like your grandpa and Mick Jagger. Well, he looks like Mick Jagger. So, but like, let's face it, Jack Lord has swagger. Second Linda has nothing. Well, as we mentioned in the Doctor No uh, episode, of course, they they did that deliberately because they thought that um, Jack Lord was a bit too attractive and would take away from the you know the appeal and the the amazement of James Bond, and we can't have two sexy agents out there for the women to get. Over. Well, yeah, well, that's one theory. And then the other thing I've heard is they didn't want to give him co star billing, mm-hmm. which I find odd because Felix has a lot more to do in this film than he does in Doctor No. He, he would be one of the stars up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, if that's true, I find that odd. Not only that, but I mean, Felix isn't even in the book, or I think he appears very briefly in the very last scene, just sort of showing up. It's like, hey, Bond, how's it going? <laughs> As he always does, so, it shows up. Yeah, exactly. So the role was clearly written to have uh, involvement from Felix, and I don't know whether he was going to have a bigger part and it was scaled down because when it starts out, the first introduction here, you really feel like Felix has a presence, and by the end of the, the movie, you're honestly wondering, it's like, is Felix still in this thing? Like, what relevance does he have? So I think they probably even Just pulled back. a bumbling back idiot throughout the <laughs> entire much. scene. And the Although the same tri- could be said for Bond, to be honest. Oh, yeah. The interesting trivia is apparently Sec and the card-playing man switched at roles at the last minute. Oh, so the, the card-playing man was meant to be lighter. Yes, and Sek was supposed to be playing cards, and like, I'm not sure how that other guy would have done, but it would have been better than what we got. I'd, uh, I'm going to stand firmly, worst Felix Leiter of all time. There's been about 800 of them, haven't there? How many? We had eight Felixes, uh, I think, looking here. We oh, had uh, Jack Lord, five, uh, I think, David. but one of them twice. Norman, David, no, six. Six, all right. No, seven, if you count. Living Daylights, Jack's Dad from Loss. Seven. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. There we go. Well, eight if you count Never Say Never Again, but we never do. we do. count Never Say Never Again? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> never Say Never Say Never Again. There we go. That, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that I like this scene, though, before we get the, the introduction to Goldfinger, that is quite clearly, like, we've got this amazing hotel that we've just had a sweeping panorama shot over it, and it's a magnificent-looking place, yet... 
how come they all seem to be in front of green screens when they've got close shots of yeah. them like in the background? Well, the interesting thing about that is, and maybe I should be watching the commentaries because I'll tell you that after about 20 minutes of commentaries, I fell asleep, but this is how I know all this stuff. So maybe I should be watching the whole thing is that Connery was filming uh, Marnie, I think it's called, Hitchcock film. Yeah, Hitchcock. So they had to start production, and they um, and Connery wasn't even available, so they filmed some of it in Miami, and then they had to film the rest in Pinewood. So it's funny you picked that up, Ben, because that's actually what happened. A lot of this bit wasn't actually shot in Miami, other than the sweeping shot and some of the other shots. Well, I feel bad constantly bagging out 1960s green screen technology because, you know, it. I mean, they did what they could with what they had. And uh, I'm sure if you watched this film in 1964, you would have been like, oh, Mildred, look how amazing that hotel looks. <laughs> but, like, it's, yeah, now it's probably the one bit that doesn't hold up after all these years. And that and the subtle sexism. But, yeah, but, again, we should point out that you know, 1950s, 1960s, everything was done green screen. You know, mm. all of these Elvis movies that took place on exotic islands. <laughs> you know, he was on a soundstage with rear screen projection. The Bond movies were known for going to these locations, which was part of the appeal of them. So one or two shots where it's clearly rear screen projection or, you know, blue screen, green screen. I think it's acceptable because the majority of the time they are going to Jamaica. They are going to uh, Switzerland. They are going to Turkey. Good point, good point. I like, uh, speaking of Jamaica, we got a reference to Jamaica, we got a reference to Dr. No um, there, and then we get into the uh, the bulk of the film, we get introduced to Auric Goldfinger, who uh, conveniently, <laughs> I love I loved the whole bit there where Sean Connery, or James Bond's like, where do I find him? There! <laughs> like, he just happens to be walking. I love... Uh... <laughs> Bond's, Bond's quote is, yeah, you're right, though. It does jump straight into the film. Like, there he is. But Bond's quote, uh, sounds like a French no-varnish. Because <laughs> <laughs> Bond is an expert on all things nail-varnish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like, I, again, I just, I love the idea. I'm going to talk quite a bit about your Goldfinger throughout this, because I think Goldfinger is one of the most ridiculous characters, but in a fun way. But right away, like, something stands out for me here, you know, uh, jumping a little bit ahead, but obviously Goldfinger is cheating people at cards, and when Bond catches them, his threat is, you know, you better go along with this and start losing tens of thousands of dollars, otherwise I'll report you to the Miami Beach Police. This is the same Goldfinger who has no fear for MI6, <laughs> no fear for the CIA, no fear for 35,000 U.S. Army troops. But the Miami Beach police, he quivers at. <laughs> well, they're very... You see Miami Vice. Yeah, they're very tough, those Miami police. Like, I mean, they've got to deal with, like, drug lords and, you know, a lot of shit in... There was that guy in Miami the other year who got his face eaten, remember? Well, but he's playing cards. This isn't... They're not eating each other's faces <laughs> if they lose. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> you never got to see that far. Uh, it's a good point, though, and I like. There's something. I mean, I like Goldfinger as a as a villain, but yeah, he's. I don't know. Like, you, I don't think you would be scared of him. Like stroking a cat sitting behind a desk. He just looks like your geeky uncle who just. Like, there's old Uncle Gert. <laughs> well, I like the fact that Gert was cast in this film after he was his performance in a German movie where he played a child molester. So, um... <laughs> and he couldn't speak English, which. 
it's so weird that these films they had a thing for casting people who couldn't speak English. Like Ursula Andrews couldn't speak English. Why can't they just cast people Nikki who can speak? Because was the shit in the sixties, so they needed to cast her in everything they could. Did she voice gold? No, a, a gentleman called Michael Collins did. Um, <laughs> so that's not not the guy who didn't land on the moon. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, they, I just read here that. The only time his real voice is heard is during the meeting with the members of the Mafia at Oryx Stud. Um, so, there you go. Wow. Gert Froba. Is that how you say his last name, do you reckon? Yeah, or Frobe. Frobe. Gert. I'm going to... Gert's a name Froba. that needs to come back, don't we think? Gert. Well, Gert and Mildred. You know, they're, <laughs> they were popular names back like in the Well, Gert is a is a line in the Australian National Anthem that nobody knows what it means. The line, Gert by sea, which means... <laughs> no, we don't. That's like surrounded by sea. I think that's what it means. But everybody in Australia is like... You know what it means now that we've seen this yeah. <laughs> Yes, It's a reference to Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> when they came up with the Australian National Anthem, oh, mate, fucking love Bond. Let's put it in it the National great. Anthem. Yeah. Oh goodness. But yeah, we get this uh this scene, the whole card situation, uh, where he's got the earpiece in and um Jill Masterson is uh helping up in the hotel room. I love how Bond's just lurking casually here. Like he's just like walking around, having a look and I love the Forces his way in. I love that scene with <laughs> <laughs> That's Mr. Goldfinger's room. <laughs> There's a lot of forcing women in this film compared to the first two. I know, he's very aggressive to women in this movie, he's James. I think is this the first time Sylvia finally uh, rejected him? <laughs> That's why she's not yeah. in this film and he's just frustrated. Well to be fair on uh, on James, like if he wasn't a bit forceful with uh, Pussy Galore, then uh, um, Fort Knox would be a nuclear waste dump right now for about another seven years. So, lesson learned, yes, people. Exactly. There's your lesson, kids. Um, be forceful, and you get to save the world. Uh, but yes, then we get to this scene. Of course, he gets into the room. He meets Jill, um, and within two seconds, uh, Jill's gone from like ah to I like you more than anyone I have in a long time. You've just fucking met him. <laughs> He said, my name is Bond, James Bond, and then he played a trick on her boss that's probably going to get her fired and killed. And she's like, I like you more than anybody I've met in a long time. She's a little bit reaching. I love Gert's face when Bond's talking to him on the radio. He's like, Like, you could add some funny sound effects in there, like Scooby-Doo or something. His face just looks funny. uh, One thing I wrote here that's not really particularly relevant to this scene, but the whole film is a lot of the theme is used within this, ding, 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 like all the time, like just playing cards and they use the theme. But uh, yeah, Jill's great in this short little moment that she's in. The- and I like the fact too that um, Bond is really trying to find out if she's doing Goldfinger. Like he, pay- he pays <laughs> you just to be seen, just to be seen, just to be seen. <laughs> is that all he pays you for? And um, the very angry um, Bert, oh, Gert, not Bert. <laughs> well, he kind of doesn't like Bert Newton, so. Um, <laughs> he breaks the, the pen, like, oh, you bastard. Um, and then James Bond, he's, he's getting, like, after From Russia with Love, where we didn't have any Bond James Bonds or no martinis, within the space of a few minutes, we've already had a kill, we've already had a fuck, and we've already had a Bond James Bond. So, um, 
James is into his uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang count pretty early in this one. And um, yeah. then Bond gets laid. And, uh, yeah, uh, before I jump ahead to, obviously, what we're about to see, uh, I should give you guys a bit of a time to talk about this whole scene that we've just elaborated on a little bit. This is the most interesting thing about Goldfinger for me, and this is why I don't think it would have worked with Terrence Young, because the entire premise of this movie all relies on the fact that you have two people, Bond and Goldfinger, that just really are annoyed with each other and just want to do whatever they can to get it under the other person's skin. Bond couldn't care less about his mission. If he wanted his mission, he just simply would have turned Goldfinger into the police or something, but he just wanted to rub it into Goldfinger, and that's something that him and Goldfinger are doing back and forth through the entire movie. And that's one of the reasons this is so fun and also so light of a movie compared to the others is because Bond's just taunting him. Like, And of course... There's almost no consequence to the fact that he taunts Goldfinger here and a girl ends up dead. Bond couldn't care less. He's going to go right back to taunting Goldfinger the next chance he gets. <laughs> like It's really funny how this is kind of just uh, an entire movie built on what's almost like two teenagers that are just playing pranks on each other the whole time. Yeah, this scene, as I mentioned earlier, the different directing style, this, like... Um, there's a lot of fading out on this and then into another scene. Like, from Rush of Love, the scenes are quite long, like the, the train car and all that. This is lots of short, sharp scenes, so we have that bit and then we're fading out and then he's with Jill in the bed. Um, but, yeah, this is really one of the more memorable scenes and it's a great way to kick off the story. Um, I think if this was a modern-day one, this would be the pre-titles and then the gold on the bed would be the end into the main theme. But uh, I think this is just a fantastic way to kick off the movie and a bit different that he's already on a mission rather than uh, the first two where he's just in London and shows up. So, yeah, really good. And I won't jump ahead because I'm sure you'll talk about what's coming. Oh, absolutely. But I, I, I will just quickly say I like how Colin explained that because... Um, I mean, again, in the grand scheme of plots of domination and all that sort of stuff, I mean, um, Bond doesn't know a whole lot about Goldfinger other than what Felix has just told him quite briefly. And within a few moments, he's already to like, I'm stealing your girl. I'm going to make you lose your money. Um, and then it so begins his little tip for tat thing based on like two minutes of speech by Felix Leiter. Dink who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this whole time we were about to talk to him, I'm wondering, where the hell did Dink go? Poor Dink. Um, but uh, so they... they you know, copulate their love because, um, you know, he's the best person she's met ever. Um, and I love the bit where they've got the radio on. Here's the news. The president was satisfied in the meeting, turned the radio off. He's not the only one. That makes the two of us. That's, that makes that's two it, of us. Yes. Which, which I have to say, I think is proof that uh, Jill, Jill isn't that impressed by Bond anymore because... He's like, the president was entirely satisfied. That makes two of us. It's like, well, you know that Jill would be three, right? Like, <laughs> are you needs, only in this for yourself? Someone needs to re-edit it. So on the radio, you hear, Mango Banana and during the 60s, that was that, the only song out makes, there. That makes two of us. Uh, <laughs> but that, that Beatles line is hilarious. Uh, oh, yes. Why does Bond hate the Beatles? <laughs> like, this was Beatlemania. Yeah, but uh, I mean, again, looking at the Bond's context, supposed to be cool. The, the Beatles had been out for maybe six months at this point, a year tops, and Bond being a guy maybe in his mid-30s, like he wouldn't have fit in the demographic at the time, but it is painfully dated when you watch it now mm. but you have to think about it in the context of the time like 
if they made a movie nowadays and, you know, this exact same scene were playing out and Daniel Craig would be like, that's as bad as listening to One Direction without earmuffs. <laughs> like, it would make sense to us. But maybe just, 30 years from now, One Direction's the next Beatles. Oh, God, no. I just picture, um, like, Ringo at the cinema watching James Bond loves his spy film. That's <laughs> <laughs> as bad as the Beatles. Paul. <laughs> oh, Paul, give me a cuddle. It's not a nice fellow. <laughs> but you can imagine... I thought that Bond would like us. J- James sitting around <laughs> listening to a bit of Frank Sinatra or a bit of Bing Crosby yeah, or something like that. I think... I think Bond's a swinger or a jazz kind of guy. <laughs> mango, banana. And still still a bit violent too when he's on the phone and he shoves her down like on the bed, like this is not a good like if, if there are people, if there are feminists out there still trying to label James Bond movies incredibly sexist, then please don't watch Goldfinger because I will agree with you that this film yeah. is up well, there. But Sylvia. in all fairness, like, we know the importance of man talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, notice how we're all men here right now. Like, um, <laughs> this is man talk. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, I'm sure, like, people watching this in the movies in 1964, like, the women were probably going, oh, yes, no, that's fair enough. That was man talk. That was no place for a woman. Whereas nowadays, like, oh, no, that's wrong. Let's. I love your collective view of every every woman from the 1960s. <laughs> They're all English and very proper. and um... They're mostly named Mildred, apparently. <laughs> Mildred and Gert. Um... Bert. <laughs> Bert. Um, so we get the Beatles line, then we get uh, the judo chop from, who of course is Odd Job. <laughs> First person, Odd Job. <laughs> yes, yay, Odd Job. We can talk about it this episode. Um, Bond wakes up. And then we get... You need a Mary scream in there when <laughs> Bond gets hit or a quarrel. Or a Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Bond wakes up and um, then we get to... Oh, got to be top five most iconic scenes in the history of Bond. I mean, this... Cinema. cinema. Yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, this is regarded in terms of cinema as such a... An absolute, um, an iconic, an icon of cinema, this scene, where we then find poor old Jill on the bed, dead, but painted completely in gold, with a very well, conveniently placed couch to block a shot of her bottom. And uh, the only thing, though, that I was thinking of at this moment is, where the hell is Dink? (laughs) Uh, I was wondering why uh, they painted her, but they apparently gave her, like, a shower cap, because her hair... (laughs) Hasn't been touched by paint, nor is there a drop of paint anywhere in the room. So I was more Very curious, like, how did they How did they do this? Did they remove her from the room? How long was Bond out? Like, they took oh. her some paint factory, spray-painted her. Like, how was this done? Yeah, that's, I try not to take the films too seriously, but that's what I was thinking, too. Like, how did they do this? Like, did they have a massive bowl and they just dipped her in the bowl and then... But then, how did they not spill any paint area? Or did they? And they cleaned it up. Um, was this Odd Job doing this? Was this Goldfinger doing this? Uh, was Odd it Job is like an impeccable painter. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing we don't know about. Ah, ah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should we shouldn't take it too uh, serious. And it's amazing scene. But I just thinking like. Is Goldfinger his birth name? Is it just a massive coincidence that his <laughs> birth name is... That would be like me if I run, like, heaps of wine groves or something like that. <laughs> or you were into, like, building arcs. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> does he just happen to have his namesake be the same as what he's interested in selling around the world? Would like, like um, silver? Yeah, that would be awkward. So, <laughs> all right, that's enough of my picking this film apart based off its silliness. But, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, why does he love gold so much? If he's named, did he name himself gold? But, like, the thing that's a good point with the painting, though, because she dies of um, epidermal suffocation... Um, but for her to die, she would have to be covered in that paint for quite some time. So, how does she voluntarily like? Bond was out for a week. Does yeah. <laughs> <Like, Yeah>. <laughs> job knock Bond out? She wakes up and she's all like, "Ah!" Oh, and he's like, "Based on ah, how bad sexist this film is, weren't you expecting Bond to go? Hmm, she won't fight back. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how bad this Bond film turns into a necrophiliac rapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, also, again, like Ben's not the only one who's very concerned with Dink because <laughs> the second that Bond's on the phone with Felix and he's like, "The girl's dead," <laughs> Felix is like, with the most excited voice ever, "Dink!" <laughs> <laughs> Bond, Bond introduces Felix. Say hello to Dink. That's his only interaction. He's like, "Dink, not Dink." I would love it if um, Dink was in the shot with Felix, so he's like, Dink? What? <laughs> Dink's just there giving him a massage. Dink, no, Dink's head like, emerges from his lap. What? Yeah. <laughs> but does no, Felix, Felix know who the girl is? Like, yeah, he the, find someone watch. your own age, Felix. The girl's dead. Which one? <laughs> but why, why is Bond just saying the girl's dead? Because you're right. Felix doesn't know who the girl is. Of course he yeah, thinks well, it's Dink. <laughs> Bond turned down Felix in the once again because he was with Jill. Um, so yeah, it's a funny scene. Yes. All right, we shouldn't be too um, analytical of um, the methods of death here. Uh, just, just, just let's take this. What this is a very iconic scene that um, we obviously saw. Uh, it, was, it was Quantum, wasn't it, with the oil? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they could have used that and die another day, but. Um, oh. You know, anyway, uh, so then we, we cut to uh, M. Uh, Bond tells us he's a... Plane flying past, welcome to London. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> London calling plane. Um, but, but <laughs> See, it wasn't just the 60s that they did that. They did that in the 2000s as well to make you aware that Gustav Gray was skydiving into London. Um, oh, jeez, that's where we are. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, London calling, but we're in Paris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, see, what they need to do then is they need to redub this film, uh, cut the bit of the plane saying, Welcome to Miami, and just dub over Will Smith's song, Miami, uh, <laughs> which would be completely, um, you know, outdated compared to... What it. they should do is have... All right, this will be the last time we talk about Miami, but... Um, <laughs> Miami. They should have had an Easter egg, and they should have had when they had that big pan out shot, have a girl in a bikini with a knife um, on the street going, do you want to buy my shells? <laughs> and have Honey Rider, because she sold out of Miami. So that would have been a good Easter and, egg if they got And that's the, that's the girl that Felix thinks that he's with the girl dad. <laughs> yeah. Honey? Honey? <laughs> I just saw her on the street corner. <laughs> she was selling shells. Singing underneath the mango tree. <laughs> And all, all we needed, though, to make this scene completely Miami-esque is to have uh, David Caruso walk in, look at the gold-painted body, remove his glasses and go, I think she was gold dead. Yeah! 
What a golden death. (laughs) She won't be taking the silver medal. (laughs) Anyway. Alright, that's my (laughs) Yeah, done. Yeah. Yeah, Bond's in the office, he's talking about his shortcomings. Um (laughs) Bond knows very emo in this. We get the uh the block of Nazi gold on the desk, M telling him to work out a way to meet him socially. So let's go play golf, apparently. Um, how does that work? How does he just, you know, you can't text him or, like, go to Facebook. Hey, Oric, sorry about um, stealing your girl. You killed her. Fair enough. Want to play golf? Lol. Uh, um, <laughs> like, I don't get it. Yeah, um, it's been quite a few years since I've read the book. Noah, do you remember if he didn't... I don't think the Goldfinger had interacted with him at this point because the whole thing uh, with Jill's death, yeah. I think, happened afterwards like bond just left in the book i'm almost certain he goes to one of goldfinger's jewelers um and meets him there and then they still had the golf match but like they hadn't interacted so yeah but i think he goes to the jewelry shop that goldfinger's working at um Mm -hmm. and then they arrange it i'm pretty certain yeah uh, you, I should say, Ben, you skipped over the Q scene, uh, well, I, which I, I was, uh, we should address. No, 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 I, um, I'm getting there, because, no, we we went to... Um, yeah. Well, he's in M's golf. office, then he's with Colonel Smithers, and then he's with the Q, and then he's at the golf. Yeah, because what I, what I was doing there was, yeah, I was getting to that bit, because I've got it in blocks here, but I was going to get references to the meeting, but then come back. Because I was going to... Yeah, I know what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> Are we recording at the moment? Hang on, hang on. All right, all right. Back up a bit there. Okay, ignore my comment about I don't get it. I'll get to that bit because I've written here Money Penny Cooks and or uh, was it an August cake? No, Angel Cake. What am I going to read my own notes there? It's <laughs> an August cake. The August man. <laughs> so, yes, no, all right. I was going to say we're very professional on 007 here. Uh, as you can see, this is man talk. Um, <laughs> money Petty, the Money Petty Bond interaction, um, <laughs> with Angel Cake. M's creepily listening the whole time. Never mind, alright, that was. And she throws the hat. Yes, she throws the hat. She looks quite good in this, uh, she, she, she looked younger. She had a bit of work done, do you reckon, uh, Lois? No, I think with these first, yeah, she looks young, and I think of these first three movies. It's just. In From Russia with Love and Dr. No, I don't think that there are as many close-up shots. That's probably the difference. <laughs> High definition in 1964. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So, yeah, Colonel Smithers, he's weird two little patches of hair on his head. Um, <laughs> I'm just waiting for Mr. Burns to walk in there and be like, excellent. But um, the gold brick, which doesn't look gold to me, is that just the filming quality? I mean, it looked almost grey. Um, <laughs> well... Okay, how many times in your life have you seen a massive gold brick to compare it to? Oh, well, look, every day, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, okay, let's go into the Q branch, unless you, either of you two have anything you want to talk about the meeting with Colonel Smithers. I'm sure you do, though. <laughs> oh, I mean, Colonel, let's be honest, Colonel Smithers isn't the highlight of this movie, but... Uh, Dinkies. I have something to say on Q later on. Uh, Noah, are you thrilled by Colonel Smithers? <laughs> uh how more British can you get, like, posh? Colonel Smithers will meet with you. It's like, um, it's Colonel Smithers. That's all i got to add. Colonel Smithers. All right, all right. Q Branch, we're there. Our first real... Um... Well, actually, sorry, I should just mention, um, one of the things I wrote down is the reason he's into gold is it's easy to smuggle and it's worth more in other countries. So that's a bit of a good setup for... Uh, 
the villain better than there better. and his pla- plans, I guess. More than diamonds, than that, apparently. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yes. Diamonds are for mm, They should make a movie on that. Wait, they will. Uh, so, yes, Q-Brad. Uh, and as kind of we said at the top of the episode, I mean, this film sets up the formula for James Bond movies. We got Q a little bit in uh, From Russia With Love, um, and we get the real first, um, do pay attention, 007, and um, mm. everything along those lines with this setup. We get to see all the gadgets working in the background. We have the parking meter. We have the bulletproof vest, and then we get introduced to the Aston Martin DB5 with some very iconic uh, gadgets and the interactions and just brilliant. Colin, please shut me up and use your expertise to talk about this than I am. So much to talk about in here. Um, first of all, as we said, I mean, Q or Boothroyd had appeared in Dr. No and From Rush With Love. Never was referred to by Q. This was where Guy Hamilton really took the series in a different direction because at this point, Ian Fleming's books are followed very closely and Q's not even really a character in the books. And there certainly isn't a rapport like this with Bond. And of course, I'm sure everybody's seen the making ofs where, you know, Desmond Llewellyn's talking about Guy Hamilton coming to him saying, it's like, I want you to get annoyed with Bond in this scene because that's not the way that the character had been established the previous two times. And it's such a brilliant idea that has, again, now become a staple of James Bond movies. Brilliant idea on Guy Hamilton's part. Again, it shows the humor. And it also makes sense because Q would be annoyed by Bond. My favorite part of this, even more than the DB5, is the first thing we see them testing. Again, we have so many of these scenes where you get the, the Q branch testing these things. And there's the bulletproof vest where the guy unloads like about 60,000 bullets into his chest. And then as they're walking away, Q's like, it's not perfected yet. And for whatever reason, the guy kept checking his groin. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, are you going to build a part for down here? What if he shoots me lower? <laughs> Subtle moment in the it's back. The, the groin know. grapple hook all over <laughs> yeah. Uh, But yeah, as Colin already alluded to, this scene is really the proper Q. Um, he was in from Rush of Love, but he was quite bland. He was better than Boothroyd, but no. he was still just like... It's an ordinary case. Um, open it like this, yes, like that. Like, it was quite bland. This is just so much in here, and the explanation of the car, and here's the button, and he does his classic tone and the rapport. Like, it's maybe not the best one, because it's still early days, but this is the concreted Q-Bond relationship where the first two didn't have... Um, and there's a lot of uh, comedy in here, so I'm only looking forward to more Q Bond in the in the future because they're one of my favourite bits of the Bond films. But amazing scene to add to this film. I know I'm jumping ahead 16 movies here, um, but no, 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 no not Wait, 17, let me do my math. not 17, 16. But Desmond Llewellyn is is uh, you can see why they cast John Cleese as you know yeah. R because. Desmond Llewellyn has so much John Cleese about him, just the way he's sort of very uptight and... But, like, you can just... I don't know. I just watched this and I'm thinking, like, geez, John Cleese was an ingenious casting choice. It was the perfect replacement for him Mm. that lasted one film. Two films. One and a half. Well... (laughs) And, of course, he was in the best one to be in, but... uh... (laughs) Anyway, um, and I, I do love um, the line there when he's explaining the ejector, she- the ejector seat, and he's like, yeah. whoosh. <laughs> My favourite line is, ejector seat, 
You're joking. <laughs> um, You're that's joking. a pretty famous line. And I never joke about my work, Double Is. Like, that's the best line of that whole thing. And poor Q, he's always asking for the equipment to be returned. Like, inventory must be a bitch. <laughs> like, oh, did James... Re- oh, fuck it. He didn't return the ejector seat that time. 008 never does this. <laughs> like, do they have to have a yearly performance review? All oh, right, 007, you did not return the following items. <laughs> Yeah. I I also love I, I always for whatever reason I always get a visual when I hear him with like now pay attention 007 when the first time he says it here I just get this visual of like these briefings where they got all you know nine doubles in a room and Q's like this is your latest pen or this is your latest you know watch and he's giving the briefing and it's like go on stop yawning pay attention Bond's texting money he's texting Sylvia Bond's snapchatting <laughs> Snapchatting with Sylvia. Stop (laughs) passing notes in class. Get off Tinder. (laughs) Yeah, Q would make a great teacher. Do pay attention, Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. But, like, the funny thing about Desmond Llewellyn is that the older he gets, he kind of, like, I mean, he's still very, like, oh, do pay, but he's almost got a bit of, uh, I don't know, like that cool grandpa about him when he gets older, but now he's like got a massive stick up his ass and you'd be there for Sunday roast and he would just, know, get your elbows off the table. Uh, yeah, he's the cool grandpa while Felix is the lame uncle that no one wants to see. <laughs> oh, poor Felix. Anyway, um, all right. So then we get the uh, Bond meeting uh, with Goldfinger, uh, the awkward stare that happens there. James is just having to wait for him. They play a shilling a hole. We get to meet Mr. Oddjob with the dramatic music. Dun, dun, dun. And then we get this very exciting scene of (laughs) James Bond enjoying a round of golf. (laughs) Oh, I I have to say, like, we're kind of making fun of it, but this golf scene plays out really well because again, there's so much good humor in it. And, but honestly, as much of it, I'm a fan of the Goldfinger book. And I, I honestly believe that too many people, they mix up the movie with the book because in a lot of ways, the Goldfinger book is great, but in a lot of ways it's very tedious. And I'm just thankful that this was about five minutes of golf as opposed to about 112 <laughs> pages the way it was in the book, because this could have gone on forever. But, like, again, this is one of those iconic scenes, and this is something that hadn't been done. This is not something they invented for the movies. Obviously, they're going to follow books, but even in the other movies, you know, where it's not in the book, they find ways to include scenes like this in the future. So, this is, again, a very important scene. Bond just having a friendly match of something with his enemy, who's going to be his enemy for the whole movie. So, very groundbreaking scene for the Bond movies, something they'd follow for a long time. And again, it's just another example of Bond just trying to get under Goldfinger's skin. He could have just done this one way, but instead he just wants to bother him. He wants to annoy him. And it's really funny that he spends the whole movie doing that. Yeah, as Colin said, it's quite revolutionary in some ways. And you wouldn't think the golf scene would be, but like, because even next film we have uh, Bond playing cards with Largo. Um, you've kind of got him this friendly fire with the the villains before the big uh, fight. But, yeah, I mentioned earlier this scene moves, uh, this movie movie moves at a lightning pace, but this uh, scene is not the most thrilling 
segment, but there are some nice character moments between the two of them and Bond's caddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's it, well, I'm Arnold Palmer. <laughs> he was great, but I actually read on Wikipedia he lived and worked in Australia for most of his life, so there's our connection to Bond. We could get Bond. him on the show. <laughs> Lazenby and him, he, well, he's dead for, for like 25 oh, years, but bugger. let's try anyway. <laughs> interview his gravestone. Yeah, him, him and Lazenby needed an Australian cop show or something, a cop duo. Bond and but, the caddy. Yeah. <laughs> but he was great, and I liked the cheating scene and oh. the Bond. Like, from Rush With Love, Bond was out of the loop for most of the film, so it's good to see at least he's got ahead of the villain a bit more in this film, and that was a fun scene. So yeah. it's not the best moment of the film, but it has some great uh, character bits to it and some comedy, so it's all right. I love how, like, they're seriously taking it, like, you know, oh, we're playing with strict rules here right now. <laughs> strict rules of golf, Goldfinger. Yes. Uh, the, the one thing that I will say that was missing is at the end that uh, Goldfinger gets up, wipes his mouth, and goes, it's a bit of sport, Miranda! And um, settles the bet, never mind, die another day reference. Um, but <laughs> I do have to say, uh, we get the iconic uh, odd job line, ah, ah, when he finds the bar. <laughs> that classic after, quote. <laughs> after he's been introduced as a mute, we learn that all mutes can go, ah, ah. I want somebody to do one of those inspirational quote pictures with, like, um, odd job in black and white with, ah, ah, underneath odd job. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to add something on this scene. Uh, it's really funny, again, with Goldfinger, just I compared it earlier, and I'll have more comparisons throughout the episode here, that Goldfinger really is almost just like a spoiled 12-year-old. If you give a 12-year-old with a bad attitude billions upon billions of dollars, this is how he'd act. He'd cheat at cards for no reason. Why is Goldfinger cheating at cards? Why is he cheating at golf to win the equivalent of maybe 25 cents for him? You know, like, this money means nothing, but he's... He just does things just for his own ego, and it, it's so funny to watch him throughout the movie because most of the stuff he does, you you would have a hard time taking him seriously. We talked about in Dr. No how Dr. No's kind of an inept villain. Goldfinger's a great villain, but he's so ridiculous if you really boil it down to the core. Yeah, I just think uh, Bertie Froberg, year old or something like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's... It's great. We, we, of course, get the uh, introduction to Odd Job's hat, um, cutting off the statue, and tell of Bond's concern for the club. <laughs> I own the club. <laughs> like, good for you, James. I'd be concerned too, like just destroying property. I'll call the Miami police. Um, and <laughs> then we get uh, Odd Job crushing the golf ball. Um, tell you what, they, they certainly love uh, scenes of crushing things. Um, in the James Bond movies early on. I just, just really quickly, Harold Sakata, um, Mr. Oddjob, of course, had a big career after this, um, starred in such films as The Poppy is Also a Flower, where he played Martin. But my personal favourite, in 1977, he played Wong in The Happy Hooker Goes to Washington. So. <laughs> well, this is kind of the start of the. Uh ex-pro wrestlers going on to become Bond yes. villains because we've got an inspector and Bring this up. is the beginning of that. Now, apparently, just, well, you brought up Spectre actually because we should, I mean, we'll no doubt talk about this throughout this when we get a bit towards the end. But, I mean, this is really the first film to not have any reference to Spectre. But apparently there is a bit in the film where you see um, Goldfinger wearing a Spectre ring. I don't know whereabouts that is. 
but I was... I did not pick that up at all. Apparently there is a bit, I was reading in the trivia, and then in um, one of the later video games, it is made mention that Goldfinger is uh, associated with Spectre. So Well, I, I was thinking about that when I was watching the film, because it was like the first two were about Spectre, then we have this kind of standalone. I was thinking it would have been a good subplot if... Um, Goldfinger used to be a member of Spectre, but even he is so greedy that even Spectre can't handle. And he went on his own and left Spectre. I thought that would make him like the ultimate villain that not even Spectre can handle Goldfinger. So that could have been a good subplot. I but Spectre would want revenge against him because of the R. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people can find pictures online of what Ben's talking about, but I again I haven't noticed it in the movie myself, so I don't know if this is something where. There's a whole bunch of people who are just photoshopping a specter ring on his hand, but I'd, I'd be interested to go back and rewatch this, and maybe we could take a screen cap to see if that's real. Because it would be interesting. Because in the in the books, I think it was still Smirsh at this point. Specter was introduced in the next one with Thunderball, so yeah. they did mention him as having connections to Smirsh. But again, it was such a small part of the plot. So I don't know whether they, they had intended to put that in there. It would be interesting to find out if there's some deleted scene out there that connects them to Spectre. Spectre. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so when I like the bit when uh, Goldfinger drives off with Odd Job and then Bond gets into his car and gets his little tracking device map out. How fast is Goldfinger driving? Because that dot... He's traveling on that map very <laughs> fast. And like, I, odd job. <laughs> odd job. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's funny. But uh, yeah, so he gets on the plane. We're going to Switzerland. Um, Bond just happens to park his car on the runway. I'm glad you could do that in 1964. <laughs> <laughs> and this car plane. Yes, yeah, so the car that goes in. Um, we get into Geneva. Um, and then. <laughs> I have to just absolutely crack up at Tilly Masterson drive like she's the most impatient bitch like driving <laughs> on the road beep 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 like she's like what is her problem <laughs> yeah um, it's it's really no wonder that Bond like again just showing that Bond's kind of a dick in this movie because if somebody gets under his skin, like he really goes too far, he could have just sort of, you know, rammed her, you know, slammed into her bumper or something. But he decided, no, I'm going to rip her entire right side of the vehicle to shreds. <laughs> that car probably should have flipped and done like 13 flips after that, like Casino Royale. <laughs> Bond probably could have killed her. Like, yeah, could can you blame him? I mean. <laughs> She's one of those annoying road rage drivers. Oh, come on, like I mean, they're driving like this beautiful road in Switzerland, and like I'm sure Bond's doing the speed limit. And she's like zooming up. I like yeah. to think she doesn't have a license. <laughs> and where did she get the car from? I don't know. Apparently, apparently, What's the history of the Masterson. I, I, yeah, but they're not a very good film if you're a Masterson. Like if you've got the last name Masterson in Goldfinger, you're dead. Um, but I well, quick, quick, was so heavily about them, and we don't learn anything about. Quick them. bit of trivia: um, apparently, this is the first ever appearance of a Mustang, a Ford Mustang, in a movie because they weren't that long released, and of course, they're a very famous car now. But um, yeah, apparently, this is the very first on-screen appearance for a Ford Mustang, and you get to see it going beep 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 beep. 
That's my she was just so proud. She's like, I'm driving a Mustang. Get out of my way. <laughs> it's drawing attention Martin. to a sponsor car. <laughs> yeah. All eyes on the car. And she's not a very good assassin. She's driving around beeping at people. Like, yeah, exactly. God, think he's not that far away from her. Like, like, what is that? <laughs> when she's like up on the rocks and she's taking a shot, is she shouting down to Goldfinger? It's like, hey, Goldfinger, look up here. <laughs> Can I oh, shoot that, you? That, that is my favorite shot of the movie where it zooms out. Yeah. Of Bond, and oh, yeah. you see Tilly with the sniper there on the rifle. Like that's my favourite shot of the movie. I thought that was great. And I, I do love how um, you honestly think she's trying to kill Bond, and then you later find out that she's just a shocking shot. This <laughs> entire shock, positive shock. Um, this this entire film is very wide open compared to From Russia with Love, which is very enclosed spaces. And this, you just notice the difference. Well, I did anyway. Of how open everything is here and big wide long shots and that which i guess is a directorial difference between the two but um yeah that seems great to be perfectly honest if we're looking at it the locations here are not nearly as exotic as what they had in dr no or from russia with love like yeah you're in switzerland but you're in miami and kentucky i mean (laughs) (laughs) but you're right guy hamilton made the most of these locations maybe that's one of the reasons why he's like the lo- nobody's going to be interested if they hear this movie's going to Kentucky, but maybe if I show them something that looks cool, they'll be impressed afterwards. It kind of doesn't sound exotic if you're going down the list of uh, film locations that James Bond has gone to, Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got some KFC. Uh, we'll talk about KFC, <laughs> no doubt, later on in this, uh, in this podcast. But, uh, yeah, on the crash, I do love the fact that when eventually she loses control of the car, that is the worst crash scene I think I've ever seen in a movie because she's like, ah, ah, and it just, like, stops. And she gets out, like, no, yeah, I think she, I'm pretty sure that flip scene from Casino Royale should have happened right there. I think you're right, Colin. Yeah, I, I like, like, if we're going to talk, can we talk about Tilly for a second? Sure. We love Tilly. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to say, and this this is going to come across really bad, but Tilly might be, in this movie, the most boring Bond girl ever. Like, I think you were saying, Noah, that we don't know a lot about the Mastersons. There wasn't a lot more in the book, but we should say, in the book, Tilly is the main Bond girl. She has a much bigger role than in here. Pussy Galore barely exists. She's a very minor character that comes in right at the end. This was Tilly's book, and for whatever reason, they cut her short in this. Maybe it's just the way the actress played it, but I kind of found her annoying. Like in the book, her snootiness and you know her being very short with Bond and kind of abrasive was an endearing quality that even Bond was sort of intrigued with. And in here, she just rubs me the wrong way for some reason. Yeah. I- I agree with you, but at the same time, I wish they expanded on her character a lot more. To me, I liked that Tanya was involved in the plot. Like, she was quite useless uh, in From Russia with Love, but she had a part to do with the plot. Pussy mm. is just a, an air pilot who works for Goldfinger. I think it would have been much better if they made this film Tilly maybe a better actress or a better portrayal of it. The revenge, I think that's a great thing for them to meet up. Bond's trying to track him and she's trying to get revenge. No, she doesn't work for Spectre. Um, But I think that would have made for a better film and that's going to be controversial because Pussy Galore is one of the most famous of them all. But I think 
they could have done so much more with this character, and I wish they did, because we got to meet her sister. That's rare in these kind of films yeah. that we meet family members like this. Mm. So I think it could have and been done so much better. This idea of avenging your family was used later on in both For Your Eyes Only and Quantum of Solace. So it's something yeah. that obviously can work, but why they didn't do it, like it's really surprising because they stuck to the book so closely, I think, outside of You Only Live Twice for these first six movies. So five of the first six movies so close to the book, and Goldfinger is very close to the book, but this is the biggest difference. Tilly went from being a very involved character who was the main Bond girl in the book to being just three scenes and then blink and you miss her in this. And really, yeah, nothing to do with anything except that she has a crash and um, it's a terrible shot and she gets I, her head mm-hmm. basically chopped I up. know we don't uh, like to pick apart the movies too much. We did it a lot in Doctor Who. <laughs> we've um, said that in every single one of these. <laughs> you take them for what they are, but it's fun to just take it like a super critical stance sometimes. Like, how did she know he was going to be in Geneva uh, driving at that exact moment? Like, where did she come from? Are the <laughs> yeah, Mastersons Bond, already in Geneva? Bond has state-of-the-art technology from Q Branch. What does Tilly have that led her there? <laughs> Is Bond just the world's worst secret agent that he needs all these gadgets to do what the world's worst shot could do? The best plot twist would be if Tilly was actually the caddy and she <laughs> takes off the disguise like Spectre with the mask <laughs> and the Tilly is the, the Irish caddy. Uh, <laughs> I'm Arnold Palmer. Um, but <laughs> I, I, the one thing I have to say about Bond's technology is how do the maps change in each city? Because, I mean, they didn't really have computers back then. Does he have to, like, manually put a slide in of the city? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in Geneva. All right, just let me change slides. Yeah, it's like, damn, I don't have a Kentucky map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I download one onto my TomTom. Uh, <laughs> wait, I'm like 40 years away from a TomTom. Yeah, I love the uh, Tilly, like, both my tyres are blown. <laughs> yeah, there was a massive sword. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't pay attention to the massive tear in the metal bodywork of the car. She's <laughs> just concerned about the tyres and Bond's so well, dryly. Oh, I've never seen one of those before. <laughs> It just shows Bond's powers of persuasion because he goes, a double blowout. I've never seen a blowout so strong that they ripped the steel of the car to pieces. We will talk about powers of persuasion. Oh, but this whole movie is about Bond's, like, without Bond's powers of persuasion, again, we would not have gold in America till 2022, so. Like, Bond must be that good in bed. Like, just that simple. Um, and so, yeah, we, we had the crash. <laughs> She's got ice skates in a gun case, apparently. Um, uh, skip ahead. We've got Bond, um, waiting till, uh, we discovers Auric Enterprises. Uh, waits, of course, until it's a little bit dark. Um, he... Operation Grand Slam. Operation Grand Slam. We, we lose a couple of, uh... How many times did I say that, Dan? We lost a guard here on the way in, so there was a... Are we counting that as a kill? I count that as a kill. That first guard that he takes out. I didn't see if he killed him. Did he just knock him out, I think? I just usually assume that Bond's powers of knocking people out is enough to kill them. (laughs) (laughs) So when he shoved Jill down on the bed... That was just delayed death. That's blow. how she died. She wasn't with the gold paint. It was. <laughs> I think this is a good time as ever to talk about this. Um, 
who are the Chinese guys? Well, I was going to say, like, and uh, this is this is just... A, There's a lot of them. But I was going to say, like, obviously Goldfinger likes to outsource his henchmen because he loves hanging around with, like, people from... A- like, are, are Asian henchmen cheaper? Like, because he's got odd job. Everybody else that works in his factory is Asian. He obviously wants to get maybe the gold from China. So maybe not only does he love gold, he loves China because that's where he's wanting to get the gold from eventually. I'm... I'm pretty sure these uh, Chinese men are from Korea, but uh, on, on that note... <laughs> I just want to say Asia, like, quickly, like... <laughs> the, these Koreans, we don't know if they're North or South Korean, so maybe one or the other comes cheaper for labor, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, he certainly loves, like, yeah, he's Asian henchmen, so, yeah, okay. I, I want to I mention something really quickly when Bond's on the hill. Another one of these moments that just makes you scratch your head... And I never noticed it until I watched it this time, and I wasn't the only one. I was watching this with my wife, and Bond's in his full suit, and then next thing we see, it's dark, and he's dressed in, like, this black getup. Where's the deleted scene of Bond stripping off his tux <laughs> and changing in the bushes? <laughs> like, oh, was there was any cool. privacy when he changed there? Doing his hair, because he messed it up. As he's he just wearing it underneath, like, the wetsuit and the other one. It's just, he yeah. has an infinite wardrobe that's... One of the other. Every, every time he's wearing something, there's always other clothes underneath. Let's get quite hot. And apparently, no sweat glands either. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so Operation Grand Slam, we hear that about 100 times. We also discover that, because um, the question was raised earlier by Colonel Smithers about how he smuggles the gold into countries. We learned he's melting it down and painting his car with it. Um, I mean, what do we have to mix that with? Like paint? Like when he forms it back into gold. How does that work? The odd job's got a lot of cramp hand with all this painting. <laughs> like he's, he's an artist. He's a, he's a very de- you know detailed artist, his odd job. I am an artist. I do not do this simple car painting work. And, and, I paint masterpieces. And back to your point about um, you know conveniently named villain in Goldfinger that he likes gold. Like, is he conveniently named Korean henchman that he does odd jobs every now and then? Like, I mean, is he does Goldfinger just like renaming people so he remembers? Okay, so you do odd jobs for me. So your odd job, I like gold, and I've got fingers, so I'm Goldfinger. Like, does he just forget people's names? You are <laughs> Granny with machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Um, so yes, then we get to see uh, Bond discovering uh, Tilly uh, with the gun, saying that she's a lousy shot, and um, they trip the tripwire, and that brings us into a, a car chase, which is a fun car chase, I have to say. Fun, it's epic. Yeah, this is a huge improvement over the Dr. No <laughs> car chase we got, which no. was just cars being sped up on film. Um, this car chase has everything going for it. I mean, you, you cover tons of different locations around these factories. You have four guys chasing them down, shooting at them. You have all of the gadgets being demonstrated. And you have a granny with a machine gun <laughs> and an ejector seat. The only thing that would have made this better is Bond shooting the granny with the machine gun out of the ejector seat. Like, otherwise, this is a perfect car chase. Yeah. Well, perfect is a good way to describe it, because it does have everything. And, uh, sorry about the wind, I'm a kite dancing in the hurricane at the moment. Um, <laughs> Glad you said but, kite there. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it really does have everything. Um, this scene wasn't actually filmed in Switzerland. This was filmed in England. Like the nighttime, the other scenes were just the nighttime scenes were uh, done somewhere in the UK. But uh, yeah, you just 
a lot of shooting, a lot of driving, and you're waiting, you're waiting for the ejector seat. You know it's coming during the scene, and, like, this is the attaché case on speed, literally. Um, like, it's got everything. Um, I love when the car goes down the hill, three blind mice flashback, where it just <laughs> blows up instantly. Um, like, I wish the three blind mice made a return, like, they actually survived, and now they're working for golfing. <laughs> it's a recurring joke that they always get in these flaming cars over the edge of the cliff. That would every movie, and they just all keep coming back. <laughs> keep, that would be a good recurring joke if the three line mice always did that. But yeah, possibly one of the best car chases in the entire series. Maybe not the best. Uh, we'll have to review that after we've watched them all. And yeah, Granny with the machine gun. Who's <laughs> so nice one who minute and then bang. <laughs> yeah, who is she? But it's epic anyway. It's like she just comes out and. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. And then Bond getting trapped in the little alleyway thing, that's pretty good too. I love... I, I, I would love it if James Bond actually was a sickler for the rules and listened to Q's instructions of not to touch the red button. Like, he's in that car and he's all like, Oh, eject your seat. Oh, Q said not to touch it. Better not. And, <laughs> and like, that's double O. Yes. But, like, my question... You have, <laughs> go. You have this terrible scene where... where you know, you, you know, in those movies where you're, he's hearing one person on one shoulder, he's like, push the eject Bond, and then all of a sudden there's Q as the angel, like, Bond, pay attention, never touch <laughs> I'd love to know, like, so once he, like, if he successfully won that car chase, and he just parks his car and, you know, goes off and has a nap. <laughs> won, the, won the car chase? Yes, yeah, like, <laughs> ding, 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 wins it. Congratulations. But, like... You're the winner. <laughs> but do, does he have to refill, like, the the oil slick? Does he have to, like, refill it with smoke? Like, how much reserve does he have ready to go? Like, you don't think about these things in spy movies. Oh, I've lost all my nails from uh, when I've dropped them out to destroy the other tyres. Well, he filled up at the petrol station, remember? We saw that. But where does, where does one get oil slick from? <laughs> Excuse me, brother, from everything. Excuse me, can you fill up my little reserve here, which you don't know about, with oil so I can drop it on the road illegally? Or yeah. is this just the regular oil from a car and his engine's going to burst into flames <laughs> in five minutes after he does it every time? Yes. Uh, but yes, I, lo- I love the um, just quickly with the granny when before she turns into a gun wielding maniac, how <laughs> <laughs> they pull up to the gate and like Bond's doing his inner Tilly, Tilly Masterson and beeping the horn, and she's just all like, "Hello!" Should we also quickly, um, you know, rest in peace, Tilly, with the losing her head as well from Odd Job? Who, I oh, mean, he's a good yeah. shot, but Jesus, she's like a kilometre away in between trees, <laughs> and somehow he manages to navigate the hat through trees at dark and kills her. <laughs> what an oh, anticlimactic death. He's supposed to have, like, super strength, too. Bond throws this thing with a weak little <laughs> toss from the side at the end of the movie, and it can penetrate steel. Why is this not cutting her head off? <laughs> yes. It's just sort of not... She just sort of takes a bump on the back, oh, and then tumbles forward. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Bye-bye, Tilly. Bye-bye, Tilly. Um, then, yes, we get the, the crash... Um, we get Bond, uh, sorry, Oddjob creepily staring at himself in the mirror and smiling at the fact that <laughs> Bond smashed into this brick wall and is dead. <laughs> well, not really. Aha! Aha! Well, yeah, actually, you mentioned that during that whole car scene. It's so funny when Oddjob has to instruct the Koreans to 
uh, get Bond, and he goes, <laughs> and points. I wonder, I wonder if um, Harold had to learn his lines. Like, oh, no, no, that's not it, was it? Is it, uh-uh, or is it, uh-uh, ah, uh, oh, shit, line. <laughs> no, Harold, you're doing it wrong. It's ooh-ooh. <laughs> I wonder if Nicky Vanderzeel dubbed over the ah ahs. He actually he actually sounded like ah ah. Um, <laughs> so yes, all right. So he's he's kidnapped. Well, he's not kidnapped. He's taken into um, custody, and we get. Um, I'm just going to say it: the most famous James Bond scene in all James Bond movies. Up there is one of the most yeah. famous scenes in all of cinema because we get this very iconic line. Uh, he's tied to a bench with a freaking laser beam, um, which is probably the slowest moving laser beam I have ever seen. And uh, random bit of trivia, apparently the... F- How many have you seen? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I've seen Die Another Day. Uh, <laughs> but this apparently also was the very first time a laser has been used in a movie. There's a bit of trivia for you. Real laser or fake laser? Because I don't know if this was real. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, well, apparently the laser was only invented in like the 50s. So, and uh, and you guys know the books more than I do. But um, I'll just say this to make it sound like I've actually Bustle. read the books. But I'll oh, fuck you. <laughs> that was my <laughs> bit of trivia. I'll edit that out so it sounds like I say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... Buzzsaw over, <laughs> overdub, like Nikki. Um, yeah, so in the book, it was a buzzsaw, not a laser. There you go. Took my line. But, um, yes, this scene, this whole situation, um, which, again, is turned away by Bond's powers of persuasion with Mr. Goldfinger. <laughs> like, oh, you might be better off kept alive for some reason. But anyway, yes, I'll shut up. Laser, you expect me to talk, and I expect you to die. Uh, I, I was... Thinking when you said the most famous scene, I immediately thought there have to be more famous ones. But I can't think of one other scene that is more famous than this. Most of it is that line. That is the most iconic line outside of Bond, James Bond. No, Mister Bond, I expect you to die. Like <laughs> such a great line, such a great scene. The only one that really comes close is probably the uh, jump, the ski jump at the beginning mm-hmm. of Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. But that's more of like an individual moment. This scene is brilliant, and again, there's a way that with such a horrible thing happening to Bond, I don't think they could have pulled off the humor if it was a buzzsaw, but with a laser, you could get Bond with a little bit of the sarcasm in his line. Uh, Thank you for the demonstration, Goldfinger. (laughs) 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 I love love the way that Bond plays this, and uh, yeah, it, it does make a little bit more sense than in the book where, if I remember right, when I read the book, I was waiting for something where he would have information. It's like, Goldfinger, you got to keep me alive because maybe I know this, but I'm pretty sure in the book it was just something where Bond expected to be dead and then all of a sudden he just passes out and they're like, when he comes to, he's like, well, we decided to keep you alive because an idea came to my head. Like, <laughs> It's not that bad in here that you know Bond leverages the Operation Grand Slam, but uh, the perform- I want to talk about Gert or Bert Frobe's performance here. Um <laughs> Good old Bert. <laughs> Even with him being dubbed, you can't discount how good a person's acting could be just on their facial expressions, their body language. He sells this scene. You could put Mickey Vanderzil's voice <laughs> in this, and Goldfinger still is just so slimy and so despicable, so hilarious in this scene. Yeah, well, um, well you mentioned uh, Bert's acting, but also... <laughs> 
Connery, I think, is amazing in this. This is one of the few times we see Bond completely vulnerable, and he looks like he's scared that he's going to die, and he's trying everything. Mm-hmm. 008 will come. I know about Operation Grandson. He's trying everything. Double I like gets a lot of mentions in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we never meet him, but he is seen a lot. Um, and, yeah, like, because Bond's about to lose the most thing, the thing that's most important to him. That's going to hit him first, and then it's just going to keep going up and up from there. But, um, so I think Connery was amazing. That And the quote, no, Mr. Bond, is the most famous of them all. But this entire scene is probably the best part of the movie. There's a lot of good stuff in here that's uh, not just that quote. So amazing is all I have to say, amazing. And it's, it's still, like, talking at the start where I said it holds up, it's still a nerve-wracking scene, like, with the music, the way it builds up to it. And, um, oh, yeah. like, you're talking about the acting. I mean, it, it makes it nerve-wracking because you're going, shit, shit, what the fuck's he going to be doing? Like, Goldfinger's up in the, the control room talking about what they're going to have for dinner, and Bond's about to have his balls chopped off. Like, it's you're so... You're, it gets so close. It does. Like, I reckon he probably had a bit of a shave there. almost had a Brazilian. But, like, it was just... It was so tense to watch it even again after all these years. And it's such such a great scene. Um, so much parodied over the years. But, I mean, there's reasons for parodies because the scene is just so memorable. And in any, you know, retrospective clip where they show highlights of Bond films over 50 years, this is always shown. Always. And, I mean, I, I don't know what how what DVD versions you have, but I know on the DVDs that I have, at the start of every one, there's, like, this little, you know, montage of all Bond movies, you know, for the first time on DVD, restored sound, mm-hmm. restored quality. And they all... I mean, that bit's always shown on it, of course. So, um, <laughs> we, we're doing, of course, rankings at the end of these episodes where we rank up, you know, Hall of Fame scenes in the history of... Uh, and to me, I think this one's probably going to be the easiest... <laughs> spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> this one's easy because there's probably three scenes which are automatically in there without debate. One we're about to get to in a moment as well because we have these two iconic scenes that just happen so quickly. Um, I I do love the fact, though, that, um, you know, uh, how great this scene is. And again, we're talking about how Bond gets kept alive. And it's just like, oh, well, that's great information. We need to keep you alive. Like, why? Why can't they just kill him and then kill 008? Like, if he's that good at killing James Bond, which, you know... Doesn't he care about his table as well? Like, won't the laser burn through his table? Well, it's gold, isn't it? Like, I just... I just... I, I just don't get it. Like, can somebody explain to me why is it good to keep him alive? Because we already know Bond's the one with connections on the Miami Beach Police. Double Awake doesn't have it. <laughs> Can you call up your friends in Miami and tell them not to track <laughs> me down? Uh, ben, I want to talk about one more thing. You mentioned the music in this, and like this music is so good. Last time with From Russia With Love, we talked about how important not only Terrence Young was with how he staged the fight scene but also peter hunt with his editing and peter hunt obviously did a great job with this too but this is i think the first moment where john barry really contributes to the movie and the suspense in such a huge way because i can't picture this scene working without that exact music john barry such a good job with the score even better than from russia would love him um, as far as i'm concerned yeah um this score's great, but I think I'm going to give it to From Russia just because I love that song that I tried to explain last week. How does it go, now? How does it go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Beverly Hills Cop again. <laughs> uh, but, uh, 
No, that's the real Mission Impossible now. I've forgotten the other one now. I can't wait for Noah to give us his impression of the the first music we hear when they get to Kentucky, the banjo. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I can do is bum da bum da bum da bum bum. But anyway, moving on to a famous famous scene. Yes. So from one famous scene to another, Bond. uh, Well, actually, we we should quickly mention Bond gets saved and then gets shot straight away. (laughs) There's a lot of Bond. Getting good and then bad. <laughs> it's like that to me. Though that would have been the ultimate villain dick moment. Though is like, hey, I just saved your life. Ah, oh, fuck it, bang. <laughs> like that makes you a perhaps, callous prick. <laughs> perhaps you are more valuable to us uh, alive than dead, Mister Bond. Bond all of a sudden, whew, just kidding, bang. <laughs> the end. James Bond will not and return. Then the next film is. Thunderball starring Seth Linda. <laughs> I just think that'd be funny. The day that they say James Bond is over, they need to close it with James Bond will not return. Uh. <laughs> and then, like, put the most the next film that MGM's releasing or something. James Bond will not return in Batman. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, so iconic scene to another iconic scene. James Bond wakes up. We get a lovely, beautiful woman staring at us who we've all seen from the Avengers, the one about the spies, <laughs> not the um, not the superheroes. <laughs> who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. Um, <laughs> which, like, like, hilarious. Like, think about that in the context of your life. If you were... Her name is Pussy Galore. <laughs> exactly. If you wake up and you've got a woman in front of you, who are you? I'm Pussy Galore. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> is, is this another case of her... Um, where her name goes with what she likes, or like Goldfinger, <laughs> well, again, or what? Goldfinger's renamed her. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> he renames everyone. I'll call you Pushy Galore. You've got a lot of vagina. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's like I mean, we're going to talk about this a lot from this point on. But every time Connery says Pushy, <laughs> yeah, he says it so cheeky and obviously. It's like, come on, Connery. <laughs> He's like, we know what you're doing. He's on the verge of cracking up laughing. But uh, Come on, pussy. One thing I'll quickly say in the trivia that I um, I think is important to mention here, that in the script originally, it was written for Connery to actually say, well, I know you are, but what's your name? Um, and, they, <laughs> and they thought it was too suggestive. So, they thought that was too suggestive <laughs> after they named her Pussy Galore? <laughs> And this is in the 60s, ladies and gentlemen. This is in the 60s. Mildred, block your ears. <laughs> oh, the way, like, you credited Connery for how he's kind of having fun throughout this entire movie. And even just his response, like, the way that you, you didn't say the response any way the way Connery did, no, but it no, doesn't matter. You know this scene, you can still get a laugh out of his, my name is Pussy Galore. Just the line. I must be dreaming. Like, this is such a great response. After he's just waking up from almost dying. Glad to see humor still in. Big smile on his face. He's like, my name is Pussy Galore. And all of a sudden, the last thing he remembered was a laser coming to his crotch. He's like, I must be dreaming. <laughs> he should have said, am I in heaven or something? He thought he died or something. Well, he, is he that said James he... Bond's version of heaven? Well, he said, I thought I'd wake up dead, which I still baffled as how you would think you would wake up dead. But uh... 
<laughs> yeah, well, this scene is just fantastic. And again, I apologise for the hurricane outside. Um, Stop being a kite. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is rain. Wow. wow. <laughs> just quickly, that is like a full-on storm. Uh, it really is. Um, I think the roof is going to blow off <laughs> of the shed. I think we might. Let, let's cut quickly here and play a little bit of Die Another Day and we'll come back into this. <laughs> There we go. Love that song. Great moment. Let's go back into Noah talking about pussy. Uh, yeah, the pussy scene is amazing. And I always forget that it's on an aeroplane every time. Um, don't know why. I just forget that. But is this the best introduction to any Bond girl ever? Like, the honey one is good. I think those two would be the rival. Um, don't say jinx. I wasn't even thinking <laughs> about jinx. But <laughs> now that you've brought her up... Um, yeah, no, it's it's top two. It, you 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 would debate either of those. I mean, I'd probably put Ursula Andress just a little bit ahead because because yeah. um, Bond sings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, I mean, it's a hot chick in a bikini, whereas we're just getting a lady who used to be a spy saying that she's got a lot of vagina. So, but no, it's it's top two. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is, again, like the last one, this is a perfect scene. Just everything works well in this. And on paper, there would be nothing exciting about the scene other than that exchange back and forth. But they so perfectly set up Pussy's character in this scene. Uh, the rapport between her and Bond's just fantastic. I mean, everything here. Even later on, once she's gone and, and Bond's asking for, you know, all of his items and he asks for the attache case. And I always just get a laugh picturing again what the deleted scene must have been. It's like attache case damaged while being examined. And you're <laughs> picturing the grenade blowing up in their face when they're like, hey, I wonder how this thing opens, you know, <laughs> like, there's so many funny moments in this and perfect setting, perfect introduction, great performances. Uh, you really have to give credit to Honor Blackman. Who else can pull off a character like this? If this was a Roger Moore film, Connery wouldn't have replied, but I must be dreaming. He would have said, named after your mother, perhaps. <laughs> 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 but like, if, if that's legitimately her name, like, um, so... Who introduces herself as their full name? But can you imagine her parents? Like, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Galore, <laughs> what are you going to call your daughter? <laughs> oh, I don't know, pussy. <laughs> Mildred and Gaffer Galore. Let's be my daughter, pussy. What's their son called? Dick Galore? Like. <laughs> Dink is their other daughter. <laughs> my name is Richard Galore. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I, I also I have to point out that she introduced her pussy galore. I'm Mr. Goldfinger's personal pilot. Where's Mr. Goldfinger? He flew ahead. Well, clearly you're not his personal pilot. You're not flying him. This is all the pilots. Like, oh, and then is it, um, so is it May Lee? Is that her name? The Miley. Yeah, Miley. Oh, so it's Miley Cyrus. Uh, just a quick fun fact about the name, uh, last one. Is in America, of course, the Americans. I can't handle it. 
she was actually credited in the posters as Goldfinger's pilot. They couldn't call her Pussy Galore on the posters. Yes, yes. Cause and Anna would one... tease the interviewers and say, my name is Pussy. <laughs> at one point, uh, again, I can't remember where I heard this, but I know at one point they had her character as Kitty Galore and somebody <laughs> fought hard. They're like, no, she will be in this movie as Pussy. But they tried to make it Kitty at some point. <laughs> well, Kitty oh God. Um, I, I like the fact that I'm uh, just reading here on IMDb the trivia. So in the novel, Pussy Galore is a lesbian, um, which is saying here why she gives. I mean, Ian Fleming loves his lesbians. Um, and that her team is known as the Cement Mixers. Um, he based the character of Pussy on his neighbour, friend, and lover. Oh, you better say his niece. <laughs> oh, whoa, um, and the Pussy name itself is derived from Agent Pussy Deacon, aka Livia Stella. The Pussy name is also said to have been named after Fleming's pet octopus, which is why it was inspired Octopussy. Um, later on, and there was um, there's a trivia bit here that I want to find quickly because it was about the you mentioned the censors. Um, there was oh, I'll, I'll find it. I'm gonna ramble on too much trying to find it, but there's a funny quote or something that he said about it. Um, later on, oh no, that was when he was trying to find Goldfinger's name. Never mind. All right, I'll, I'll find that trivia. Colin, speak for me. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna ramble for something on a minute because. I'm going to burst a bubble that nobody wants burst here. This whole story that's been out for years that even those involved in the movie seem to say in the novel, Pussy was a lesbian. I remember reading the novel and I had to go back and look over the end again today because the end of the novel does state that she isn't a lesbian. Uh, throughout, throughout the novel, she is known as a lesbian. She's known as basically she wasn't a pilot. Like I said, she was a minor character in the novel probably two scenes she was just one of the many gangsters that was funding goldfinger and she had a gang of lesbians from harlem or brooklyn or something like that <laughs> that's where they're all from <laughs> they're, all, they're, they're all adding up to her being a lesbian colin so well, yeah. i don't know where well, baby, don't well, know baby bond you. turned her well that's the thing because in the novel bond says she's a lesbian everybody says she's a lesbian but if you read the I'm last not! Leave you two or three chapters or not chapters last two or three paragraphs she's basically coming on to bond and bond's like oh, i thought you didn't like men and <laughs> what she says is basically people assume that because i've never met a man before so she just says i've never met a man so wow. therefore i have to with a man and she basically says from where i come from you know if you're tough or whatever people assume you're a lesbian so the way Fleming wrote it in the book is that she really was thought to be a lesbian, but wasn't. So that's bursting the bubble that uh, everybody even involved in the making of the movie seems to think she was, but technically no. Uh, We're breaking new ground. I found the, uh, the quick one here on the Goldfinger name, actually. I know we're kind of backtracking a little bit, but I found this fascinating. Um, Ian Fleming uh, based the title character on controversial modern artist Erno Goldfinger who actually learnt that he was going to have his name used as a villain. So he threatened to sue, um, and the lawsuit went against Fleming's publisher in order to st stop the publication. Fleming then came out to inquire... Uh, no, sorry, Fleming's publisher came out then to inquire whether Fleming might consider renaming the character, and then Fleming came out and said he'd be delighted to and 
changed the name of the novel to Gold Prick. And <laughs> <laughs> so Flea's publisher quickly settled the architect's law- lawsuit out of court. <laughs> I just thought that was noteworthy. God, that I hope that's true. If that's true, that is hilarious. <laughs> the funniest thing about that is, again, I've been saying that the way that Ian Fleming wrote this book and the way the movie portrays Bond is that he just kind of has a chip on his shoulder and he's really funny and just trying to be sarcastic and a bit of a jerk. About this. Ian Fleming doing that totally sums up the way that he wrote Bond in this book, <laughs> which was so different, which is just basically messing with people. That's so funny. Yeah. And um, just quickly, because I want to talk about Miley and the whole camera scene, because I think that's hilarious, that bit. But uh, we should mention um, Honor Blackman, the oldest ever James Bond uh, girl ever, until Spectre, Monica Bellucci, 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Damn! <laughs> She looks look what was her age in Goldfinger? Uh, she was 39 at the time of filming, according to this. Well, in the the documentaries, I think they're from the late 90s. She was still looking good at the 60-year-old honour. She's still with us, honour. So, um, yeah. Haven't seen a recent pic, but... <laughs> honour, if you're listening, um, send us a selfie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Ben, you mentioned uh, Miley, was that her name? Yeah, yeah Miley. I'm just thinking Miley Cyrus, so we just call her Hannah Montana. <laughs> Does she not make the fastest cocktail in the history yes! of... Like, yes! Someone needs to hire that woman. Oh, goodness. I love the whole scene here with um, my, oh, Hannah Montana. Um, she, she, when James goes into like change and looking through the, the hole, then he quickly covers it up. Then with the mirror, quickly covers it up. And I love how James conveniently knows where to spray the spray, like over the, the little hole bit. But I don't know, I just love this whole interaction, this whole scene where she's trying to check it. I'm just waiting for James to like grab her and like have his way with her. Again, it's another scene where Bond's just kind of being a jerk just to do it because all he really is hiding in this is he's slipping something into his shoe, which nobody's going to see from the angle she was looking in. <laughs> so he's just like, if you're looking in here, let me hang this up. Let me spray a little shaving cream on there. He even gives like a little wink to her. Like Bond has so much attitude here, and it keeps getting him into trouble, so you wonder why he keeps doing this to people. And I also... Um... Like the fact that, yeah, as you said, like he's putting something in his shoe. So what's she going to do anyway if she sees him doing it? Like, oh my God, what are you doing? And like, I'm just like picking a bit of bubble gum off my shoe. Like, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Juan <laughs> has like an endless supply of excuses for that. Yes. Like, he touched the bottom of his shoe. Oh no. Is that going to be in the Q lab? It's an ordinary shoe, but with bubble gum <laughs> on the bottom. Um. All right. Don't touch that. That's my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we then basically, a few bits here, but we we get, I just want to cut through to Pussy Galore's Flying Circus. (laughs) Does that not just sound like a porn movie to everybody? (laughs) Pussy Galore's Flying Circus. (laughs) I'm going. Easily the better of the, uh, you know, Monty Python's Flying Circus and Pussy Galore's Flying... What would you rather go to? Um, But... Yes. Uh, do we ever know what happened to James Bond's bag when he gets off the plane? Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I love the fact that when we actually uh, introduce the Pussy Galore's uh, flying circus and we see them all coming out of their planes looking absolutely beautiful, uh, we get that sexy saxophone music, the wah-wah-wah-wah. 
<laughs> you must think these girls are sexy. Wah, wah, wah. And the pointed cone bras that they're all obligated to wear yes. under their flight suits. That's where Madonna got her um, her inspiration from. Oh. Hey, there was no reference to die another day there. <laughs> Uh, all right, so then we skip it. Uh, uh, feel free, you two, to chime in if I'm missing anything. Redneck music. Well, yeah, Oryx studs. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Kentucky Oryx stud. The Kentucky. <laughs> and I will say it's been two weeks since I've watched the film. I've put in my notes here. When did this show up? Uh, Bonzo manners, I've drawn. Uh, was that when he uh, the car and he's like trying? Yeah, to... I think it was when he was he um he was putting him into the car, taking him out. Yeah, I just really love Bond and odd jobs, <laughs> short relationships that they have. <laughs> I, I love that he refers to him as odd job, but it just makes me laugh for something. Well, Bond just has so much fun. It's probably Connery more so, like mentioning odd job and pushy. Connery is on fire in this film. Yes. I just quick mentioned before we get to um, this whole this great scene with the mafia and the, the very overacting American uh, evil people <laughs> who are so fucking terrified with everything. What was that? Who's doing? This? What's going on? Um, Who's this Goldfinger chap? <laughs> I don't like close spaces. Um, but Mr. Solo, I just quickly want to mention the fact that we see Felix uh, outside of KFC. <laughs> we should quickly just so you know I think you're having too much of that KFC. Okay, um the mobster scene here. Can we jump into uh, that? please, yes. I, I yes, I just wanna oh. I'll let you talk mainly here, Colin, but it's a great scene wow. and This is like the one scene where it's kind of unintentionally funny, I think. <laughs> It starts out with the great shot of one of these really scary mobsters riding backwards on a fake horse seat. <laughs> going, yeah, look at me! <laughs> and they're terrified of everything that's moving in this room. And he... <laughs> Yeah, I, oh, I had to write down so many of these lines because you know it was all dubbed in later on. They were like, we need this to sound like they're more scared. So some of these lines are like... Uh, what, uh, what's with that trick pool table? You just hear in the background. What's that map doing there? Turn those lights back on. <laughs> what are you trying to pull, Goldfinger? What's that map doing there? What is this, a merry-go-round? <laughs> yeah, that's the merry-go-round. That made me crack. I like it when he's talking about going to Fort Knox. You got a key or something? <laughs> and I love uh, when they're talking about the plan and he says, Banks don't open on Sundays. <laughs> There's also another guy that's like, what's going on here? I don't like this. <laughs> They're the worst mafia ever. <laughs> and it was the one who doesn't like Chicago for some reason. I don't do business with Chicago. Yeah, it's, it, it reminded me of Anchorman. Cause it's like you've got the different seg- uh, sectors of it. Like, the different types of mob- mobsters all coming together to fight. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's just, it's so... Oh, it's just hilarious, and but it's it's a really good scene. Uh, sorry to butt in because they get around that trope of the villain explaining the plan to Bond, like that's in so many of the films because it's the villain explaining it to mobsters and Bond listening in. So that was a good way of getting around just Goldfinger telling him everything. But um, I, I want I wanted there to be a big telescope like in uh, from Russia with Love and Karen Bay down there looking in as well. <laughs> but at the same time, this scene is the biggest. Well, the second I'll call it the second biggest plot hole of the movie, because 
why is Goldfinger telling this to men that he's about to kill in about 30 seconds? He's like, let me lay out the whole plan. And then it goes far enough that if one man doesn't want to be part of the plan, he's like, that's okay, you can leave. We're going to load a bunch of gold into your car, drive you out to the middle of nowhere, crush you. We could have just said, wait in this room for 30 seconds. We're about to gas you all. Yes. Because then, then he's got to painstakingly retrieve his gold from a crushed car, which is mixed with bodily fluids and guts and yeah, blood and guts. <laughs> that scene with it's Mr. No Solo, it's, it's a cool scene with Mr. Solo getting crushed, but it's it's a bit too much for a random insignificant character. And also, Mr. Solo has no blood because there's not a trace of blood in that crush car. And then the close-up shots... The close-up shots... I mean, they could have just put, like, a mannequin in there because, like, for some reason, the close-up shot, there's nothing in the car. Like, well, we're not concerned about him anymore because he's clearly not in there. <laughs> it's a three-line line. Uh, but I just... And how strong is Odd Job's truck that it could haul yes. the crushed larger vehicle away just in the back? <laughs> in Korea, they build, you know, like, you, have you ever driven a Hyundai before? Like, they're very, <laughs> they're very strong. Um, but we should say, this scene, this is what the plan is. This is where oh, we yes. get everything. This is uh, Operation Grand Slam. Um, and I do, I, I have to quickly mention though, going back to where we had Bond playing up with Miley and the winking and all that sort of stuff. I do love how Bond manages to escape. He's like getting walking backwards and forth at the cell door, just staring down this inept guard <laughs> and he gives him this creepy little smile and just crouches down. Why the fuck does the guard get up? Like, oh, he's up to something. He's crouched down. Like, Why? You know that old trick that people will play if they're standing behind, like, uh, some some piece of furniture or something, where they yes. pretend like they're walking down the yes. stairs? <laughs> I didn't know they will stairs in this cell. <laughs> the guy's like, I don't remember us putting stairs in there. What's going on? There's an elevator? He's riding a canoe? <laughs> I just love that uh, Bond pretty much spends the rest of the scene, uh, the movie, in prison, pretty yes. much getting in and out, in and out, in and well, out. He's, like, he's a, he's, yes, he's a prisoner for the rest of this movie. Basically, the only thing that stops anything from happening is the fact that he has sex. <laughs> and he wouldn't be here if he just didn't mess with Goldfinger so much on the golf course. <laughs> like, he could have just I'll... let Goldfinger cheat him. And this movie would have been I love him uh, where he slips the thing into Solo and then Felix shows up and, oh, Bomb must be doing fine. And just leaves. <laughs> like, what? What, is, what are you going to be doing just going home now? Like, come on. He's just, you know, we haven't heard from him in a while. Oh, no, he's just casually walked. Oh, no, he's all good. Like... Ah, uh, Bond's fine. Like, his life signs just dropped. Nah, he's all right. <laughs> I also he has no pulse. <laughs> I do, I do love the meticulous detail that um, Goldfinger puts into building his maps and his models. Like you know, you could just get a piece uh -huh. of paper and draw a little circle and go Fort Knox here, uh, we'll fly over here. But no, he's got to painstakingly create a life-size, well, you know, a scale model of Fort Knox, which I will I'm say gonna show people that he's going to kill it. <laughs> Seconds. Fun, tr fun trivia fact. Apparently, um, that actual map is at the real Fort Knox. The model they they took it from the set and they gave it to the real Fort Knox. So, I, I think it's really cool in this film though, that the plan is not to steal gold, like because that's what you think it would be. Yeah. It's just Goldfinger wants to steal gold, 
And that's what really solidifies this as, well, not that the one thing, but it's one of the many things that solidifies this as an all-time great. It's the plan is more than just still gold. And it's a great reveal. It's a great how Bond works it out. Like, I was doing some maths, and you would need 12 <laughs> trucks and blah, 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 and the army would get there within two hours. So you're fucked, Goldfinger. What are you doing? Well, and the best thing about this is that, you know, we're making fun of certain parts of this movie and plot holes and stuff, but I honestly believe, as much as I love the Goldfinger book, that this is one of the few movies that is better than the book, because that whole idea of the stealing gold from Fort Knox was a plot hole in the novel, because they realized afterwards, like, that's what the novel is about. It wasn't about a nuclear bomb, it was just about stealing it, and then afterwards, they're like, it wouldn't make sense to do that. So let's take that plot hole from the book and let's change it and address that in the movie. It was such a great idea and a way to improve from the book to the movie. Um, I, I Quick mention, Colin, uh, mention of Canada. We didn't go over. They mentioned the Canadian border. So, you know, quick little mm-hmm. quick little win there to, uh, to Canada. Um, we, we, we live for those quick little wins. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. I do. Thank it. you for that. No, you're welcome. The uh, country can now move on. Yes. And the the um going back to the map where they're all getting the gas. I do love sixties overacting when people are dying. <laughs> I just love how just, they're to- talking about how they'll get into Fort Knox, and he says, "Oh, we'll use." Delta 9, and then when you get to see it in practice later with the planes, it's like, how's MI6 not latched onto this? Because it's the most instantly working, like, <laughs> thing ever. They just drop to the ground. Uh, what acting? What acting of them dropping? How good is this Delta 9? It just instantly works. Um, There's another part that I don't know if you guys are going to find as funny as I did, but I, I can't quite pinpoint why I find this so funny. When Goldfinger has this big monologue, where he's like, man has climbed Mount Everest. They've gone to the bottom of the sea. They've shot rockets yes. at the moon, split the atom. It's like, we have conquered every endeavor except for crime. And he's so it's angry when he says it, except for crime. Except for crime. <laughs> Isn't that one of the things, Inspector? Isn't C for crime? Yes. <laughs> C is for crime. <laughs> It's like, you get these parody movies where it's like, welcome to our evil lair, we're about to do some evil criminal deeds. Time for us to conquer the next great endeavor of the human race. Cry! (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I wonder if, are they still working on that? Have they, um, (laughs) have they managed to do it? Uh, You mentioned before about Miley bringing the quickest cocktail ever. When Bond gets his mint tulip, uh, <laughs> with some ice and not too sweet. Um, that was the quickest making of a drink ever. Like, where <laughs> fucking Kentucky, they can make their drinks quickly. Like, wish KFC got your orders there that quickly. Like, Jesus. Um, um, we, I didn't order this crusher. And I just really quickly, backing well back up. Uh, I can't remember exactly what point, but we didn't mention that we got a martini shake and not stirred. But anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we well, I, I also <laughs> want to say we need to start a new count on here because... We talked a lot about Nikki Vanderzil, but I never expected to hear so many times out of Ben's mouth talking about My Lee for another second. <laughs> I think that's the fourth time we've recalled to My Lee. She's been out of the movie for 20 minutes already. <laughs> well, her and Dink. <laughs> My Lee and Dink show. That's a spin off. My Lee and Dink going out on the town. <laughs> What will these girls get up to this week? She gives massages, she makes cocktails. Molly and Dink! <laughs> yeah! Molly and Dink is filmed in front of a live studio audience. 
<laughs> Miley, you're late. <laughs> I was making cocktails. <laughs> 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 oh god I want to see <laughs> Yes I would I would Watch the shit Out of that show um, <laughs> oh, We've skipped over So much But I, I think We've covered it At the same time um, no, I think we've we, 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 I like the bit Where we learn About the radioactivity And the You know Would make gold Useless for 58 years So by 2022 um, the gold would be... So we're only about seven years away from that, folks. Is that going to be Bond 27, the yes. sequel? Remember. <laughs> remember when we did that. Um, all right. But uh, we, we've got to mention, before we get the planes flying over, and we kind of obviously oh, touched on that a little no. bit, um, and the great acting of all the people dying, we get James Bond and Pussy in the... Uh, well, that's a character. Um, in, the, in the hay barn. And... Um, Let's just basically sum this up. If James Bond doesn't get a little bit physical, doesn't take no for an answer well, the gold would be <laughs> fucked for 2022. <laughs> essentially, this whole film borders down to James Bond getting a bit rapey and changing the mind of the pilot to help uh, save the world. I mean, well, not even the world, the gold. So, I mean, at the end of the day... James Bond getting a little bit aggressive with a woman saved the gold. Because that's the only thing Bond does in this movie. There's yes. this thing that's become popular lately about Raiders of the Lost Ark that if you look at the movie, nothing would have changed about the story if Indiana Jones had never existed. Yes. And in a way, Goldfinger's the exact same way. Because Bond doesn't do anything right in this movie. The only thing he does right is, like you said, he pushes a little bit too hard on a woman. <laughs> and this is a woman who could obviously fend for herself. But, yeah, you know, one, one minute with pussy and he not only converts her to heterosexuality, but he saves the world. Like, that is James Bond's only success in this movie. Yeah, this scene is a little uncomfortable. Uh, I'll read out some of my notes from just before this. We've got Felix looking on with binoculars. Bond is very good at maths. 57 gold will be radioactive. Felix leaves. Bond rapes pussy. Like, <laughs> it, it really is that. It's just, she doesn't want that. She's fighting him. And, oh, it's all right. I'll just force myself on anyway. And... This is one of the worst part of the movie. Like that, Bond is so persuasive that this girl can switch sides. She's about to go into Fort Knox and melt all the gold or whatever radioactive the gold. And this one moment with Bond that she didn't even want switches everything around. And that's one of the reasons why this movie is a little bit lower on my list. Um, like I still think it's good, but this whole moment is just. So, like, uh, really, like, I know Tanya fell for him, but that was kind of her job in a way. This is just him forcing himself onto her. It's like, whoa. And and you said well, he changed. she changed sides. She also changed sexualities, apparently. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> Regardless of her sexuality, it's ridiculous. But then there's also that layer of people think she's a lesbian and Colin kind of cleared that up. Um, but it's just, uh, come on. The, the funny thing is, is that... Again, we're talking about whether that's what persuaded her because she knew Goldfinger's entire plan. She knew nuclear warhead. She knew nerve gas. Like, there is nothing that she was told that is new to her. Bond says one thing, you know he's quite mad. Like, 
that's the only other argument you could make is that she sat there knowing, oh, we're going to carry a nuclear bomb in there. We're going to kill thousands of people. Bond figures like, he's quite mad. So suddenly she's like, you know, I think you're right. I think he is mad. But that's not what sways her. <laughs> was Bond sleeping with her here because he honestly believed that was the last way he was going to win her over? Or did he figure we're all going to die tomorrow? Might as well go out with a bang. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then we get uh, Pussy Galore's Flying Circus uh, d- uh, dumping right. all the gas over, which, of course, is completely harmless. But we get the great acting. Um, fu- he just didn't care. Fun- funny uh, trivia again. Every single one of those scenes with the army in it is the same group of actors in every scene. They just move to different locations to make it seem like all the, all of them are like being dead. And, oh, what acting. Give them all an Oscar. <laughs> like the flailing arms, the way they just fall down. Like, wow. Still better than Seth Linder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're no dink. So many, yeah, I mean, aside from their pathetic collapses, there's so many funny things in here. But credit to Guy Hamilton. Like, when I first saw this movie, I never thought about, oh, well, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense. When you've seen it about 30, 40 times, certain things stick out. Like, if these people are passing out behind the wheel, why are all these cars in park? (laughs) They're, like, they're smashed into things, but they're in park. Like, these cars would still be moving, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So many things like that that don't add up in this. But it's such a great scene. And again, this is one of the areas where they improved on the book. The book didn't really have much of a climax. There wasn't anything about, you know, nerve gas through the sky. It was something like the water supply was poisoned a week before or something lame like that. Goldfinger's book did not have a great ending. And this movie made everything they could bigger and better. I mean, one thing after another here, you have the gassing of the soldiers, you have the breaking into Fort Knox, you have all the fight, like, it's just fantastic from this point on. Like, this is why I'm going to disagree with Nolan and say, this is why it's one of the best Bond movies, because everything from here on, which was not even from the book, just their own creation, is just flawless. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much to add on the plane bit. I think it's great, but I do agree, everything from this point on, uh, from Rush With Love, had a fun climax with the boats and all that. Dr. No was pretty good, but this is better than both of those two. And we'll talk about more in depth, but there's so much going on with this fight between the two in Fort Knox and Odd Job and all that. So, yeah, it's great. To, for us, we love and Dr. No, the, the climaxes, I think, were quite quick. Um, they were over fairly um, soon after they started, whereas, I mean, this one... You know, it had a bit more of length to it. and um, It's a battle. Yeah, it's a battle. And you've got more elements, sort of like you see in a lot of future Bond movies, where, you know, there's a couple of different fights going on. Um, so, yeah, it's it's great. Um, we I mean, we obviously get the... They've broken into Fort Knox. They then see everyone waking up. Everyone's fine. It's all good. Don't get worried. Felix isn't dead. Um, Damn. <laughs> um, and just another interesting production note here that uh, they were allowed to film on the outside of Fort Knox, um, but of course they weren't allowed to film on the inside. So basically, they went back to Pinewood, recreated it how they think it would look, and apparently they did such a good job that the people of Fort Knox sent them a letter saying, "Well, actually, you guys did a pretty good job." And it was so realistic that they actually had to hire a guard, a twenty-four hour guard, on the set of Pinewood to stop people coming along to steal gold because they thought it was real. 
Um, and also the planes flying over Fort Knox, they were given permission to fly, I think, like, I don't know, a certain distance above Fort Knox. The filmmakers were just like, well, fuck that. That's going to look shit. So we're going to fly as close as we want. And they got into a lot of trouble from the people at Fort Knox are flying a lot lower than they were meant to. So random little stat for you there, facts. Um, but anyway, so we get into the the battle. The army people all wake up. They arrive. Goldfinger puts on his uh, U.S. Army clothes. We get uh, Bond trapped in there with uh, with Odd Job, and we get the lovely bang, 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 banging forever on the door, and we're trapped. <laughs> uh, first, I just want to give a quick shout out to Ken Adam. This is the first great Bond set. Dr. No had a great set uh, with his lair, but again, it, it looked like it's budget. This Fort Knox set is incredible. Um, very few Bond sets from this point on can top this. Just un- unreal. The whole setting's great. Uh, pl- if you have a chance to play it in the video game, this is always the most fun level to play in the video game when you can go head-to-head. Uh, this fight scene with Odd Job is so different from what we had in From Russia With Love. Uh, everything about it, the way it's staged, it's a lot of wide shots, not fast cutting. They're using the environment and the props more than anything else. But this fight stands up just as well as the one with Red Grant. My favorite moment, again, just something that's really hilarious, is when Goldfinger does switch his uniform and he starts giving orders. Go in there, you know, it's in there. Why are these U.S. Army soldiers taking orders from a general with an Austrian accent? Like, <laughs> you have to wonder. It's this man here. Take it out. You're going to put on a bit of, bit of an American accent. Like, go in there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in Kentucky long enough. He should know yes. better. But, like, this is so good. I, I can't wait to talk about the whole climax with the bomb here, but... Everything about this, there's so many different layers going on. You have soldiers attacking them. You have, you know, the bond chained to a bomb. You have a bomb ready to go off. You have a guy trying to escape. You have odd job holding him back. There are so many things going on in this sequence. It's just how they juggled it and made it all work is just really miraculous. And I really love how um, when Bond kind of... He's dragging the bomb along to to get the the key so he can unlock himself. How we've got this whole sequence of odd job having to run down all the stairs and like as mm-hmm. you were saying with like the wide shot using the environment. I think it it adds a bit more attention to it because you know in a lot of these movies you'll see like a big you know stack of stairs and somehow they're down within two seconds. But it's it's almost like it was in real time, wasn't it? How like he had to run there were so many fucking stairs that he had to run down and he's going yeah. and going and there's no music. There's no music in this fight scene at all. Um, until, like, we get, you know, the tension of the bomb about to go off. But, um, yeah, it's great. And I love the whole, because it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the laser, how you feel Bond is helpless. You really feel Bond is helpless with Oddjob, because Oddjob's kicking his ass. Like, there's Mm. nothing that, and, you know, Oddjob's got this great smile on his face. He knows he's kicking ass. And it, it just turns up basically that the way Bond beats him is a bit of, you know, quick thinking with the uh, conveniently placed electric wire to shock him through the, th- through the bars. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a great scene and it, it's, it really it holds up well. Yeah, the, the fight with Bond and... I was going to call... I was going to call it Flo uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. We've had pussy, a lot of pussy, so blowjob, it's... Yeah, why not? I must- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name Bond. is uh, 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 Blowjob. 
<laughs> My name uh, is Instabrobrof Blowjob. <laughs> hey, it's Blowfield and Oddjob combined. It's Blowjob. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> no, but like you said, it, they're just kind of having fun in the fight. And, oh, let's go, let's go with Blowjob again with Rose. Just call him ran- Random Task. Call him Random Task. <laughs> um, Harold Sakata. <laughs> He could have just snapped Bond's neck. He could have thrown his hat. But the funny thing is, this thing is counting down. This is what makes Oddjob such a great character because he doesn't mind that he's basically now on a kamikaze mission to die. Like the other guys, you could be a hero. I'm not. He's willing to die. And he's smiling the whole time. He could just take Bond's head off. He's got about two minutes left to live. But all he wants to do is just shove Bond to the ground, put him in a headlock, little things just to mess with him before he can kill him. Like Oddjob's, if you think about it, a really sadistic character. Yeah, uh, uh, did you guys mention that Harold actually got burnt in real life doing this, and he stayed on the thing until Guy said cut? He no. just Pick that kept up. going. Mention- we'll- you just oh, mentioned we'll it. Ju- we'll just cut that out, just <laughs> go into that, like, pretend that's a new fact. Go, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they talk about it in the special features or the commentary. Uh, Harold actually got burnt while doing this scene, and he stayed on the wire until Guy said cut. Like, he was dedicated to his art of acting, and uh, so he actually got burnt hands from this scene, <laughs> but he's a professional. Um, Did he have to wear black gloves but, like Dr. No and, like, have crushing ability? Well, he already could crush, so... Well, he was dead, so... No, uh, <laughs> but, well, Harold wasn't dead. Uh, oh, well, he's now. Uh, yeah, it's an amazing oh, scene. spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> and... Although this is like the quintessential formula, if this was a, any other Bond film, this would be the Goldfinger fight here, and then the odd job fight would probably be on the plane. Mm. Like we see it with the henchmen afterwards, after the main villain has been killed. Uh, so that's kind of a role reversal, but it's a brilliant fight, and I love it. Would you yeah. would you rate it better than Red Grant or? Ah, uh, no way. I think the Red Grant fight is amazing. Yeah, I agree. The Red Grant one really can't be top, but it is funny you should say how it would be done differently today because that is what we always get. Whether the villain is any good or not, with the exception Tomorrow Never Dies, we don't see the henchman who's strong at the end. How much better could Die Another Day have been if Zhao was alive and you're fighting, Bond's fighting Zhao in the end instead of fighting Gustav Graves in a Robocot outfit, you know? Like, it, that could have been done a lot better if they just went back to Goldfinger. I just love the fact that Colin brought up Die Another Day. And, uh... <laughs> hey, it counts. To it, not to praise it or Madonna. Oh, look, he's bringing them all. I don't even have to say anything this episode. This is great. Never say Die, die Another Day. Um, all right, so we, then we get to the nuclear sector. The bomb. Um, I lo- <laughs> again, Bond not having a lot of luck this movie. Uh, he's, he's, he's like going, oh fuck! I just I'm willing to redub this with Sean Connery. Just going, oh fuck, shit, fuck, shit. What do I fucking do? Shit, fuck, fuck, shit, fuck. <laughs> like, I like that Bond doesn't know. But I just love how he's just like looking, looking. He's about to full on yank this wire. Which I mean, do we know what would have happened? Because is this a case of like, don't cut the red wire, cut the blue wire instead? <laughs> but like, was Bond basically about to die in a nuclear bomb if he had to rip that wire out? Yes, yeah, but he I... lived to die another day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, it's patching. Oh, yes! um... It's spreading like Delta Nine. I've trained you well, young Padawan. <laughs> uh, this is. I'm going to go back to again the first time I saw this movie. 
having come off of I'd seen Goldeneye, but you know liked it, but didn't really get into Bond yet. Saw Tomorrow Never Dies. It embraced all those cliches that I'd heard about. Came home, Goldfinger's on TV, played up to every cliche. What won me over on Bond that still to this day is my favorite part of the movie is that the cliche you expect is that Bond disarms it at the end with one second remaining. Not only is it not one second remaining, it's 007 <laughs> seconds remaining, but Bond almost killed them all. <laughs> if you have a random guy come around and pull a different wire, Bond was going to kill most of Fort Knox or the United States. That's such a good ending because it's totally against the type of what you'd expect in these cliches of these movies. And the hero of the movie is random guy. <laughs> yeah, random guy. Random guy. We'll be back in Thunderball. <laughs> James Bond um, was fired for incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> random guy is the new 007 in Thunderball. <laughs> random guy is back. He's gonna save the world. I don't have too much to add on this scene other than, once again, like the others, broken down record, it's great. But, uh, yeah, they originally were going to have it at two or three seconds or one second or something, but I think it was Guy Hamilton who said, no, this has got to be double O's. Double O's. Oh, double Ending it. So, um, it's just a brilliant kind of self referential. This never happened to the other guy. Uh, way to end the film on a funny note. And this this is, again, like, I know we're quite some time from getting to the Daniel Craig era, but, like, this is what is missing from modern Bond. Like, yeah. it's just the, just the self awareness of what you're putting out there. It's just, I mean, this is why funny. they became so popular. And I'm not saying, I mean, the Craig films are extremely popular. I mean, Skyfall is the most successful Bond movie of all time, and I'm sure when Spectre comes out, it will, it will smash records, and that's great. I understand they exist in a different canon and a different era, but, like, you know, we've all grown up on this type of James Bond film, and whether you love or hate the later ones or some of the other ones, I mean, we joke about Die Another Day and all these other ones, too, that we'll get to, but they've just got this formula about them, which is straight-out campy, cheesy fun for the most part, and that, I think, is what sold this series to millions of people over 44 years before we got to the Craig era. Yeah, this, um, I'm not going to be as down on the Daniel Craig ones as you guys are, but this is something that is missing. And I think in ways, they're kind of going against what happened with the Pierce Brosnans, where they really did embrace it, but didn't do it quite as well as they had it in here. Uh, we said it at the beginning, let's say it again now, Guy Hamilton brought a sense of humor. Obviously, he didn't write the script, but he directed this movie and he is the one who set the tone and the tone for this movie they've gone back to so many times. You know, we've said in other episodes how whenever they get in trouble and maybe get a little bit too over the top, they try to go back to the style of from Russia with love just as much when they're kind of in a point where they're a little bit too serious or maybe too dark or dreary or just a little bit boring. Goldfinger is the one that they always return to. And, Everything about this whole climax is, is exactly uh, what Guy Hamilton intended, and that's what made this the phenomenon. This wasn't just a successful Bond movie. This became the first phenomenon of the Bond series. I just love how seamlessly they can add serious action fighting and comedy, and it doesn't look out of place at all, and they, they mix so well together, and it's a brilliant way to end the movie. But of course, there's one final scene. 
Well, there is. I just want to really quickly say, though, none of us, or I assume none of us, have ever seen what a real nuclear bomb looks like. <laughs> but, well, you have apparently seen different versions of everything. Well, <laughs> well uh, nuclear bombs not one of them, but I, I would love to actually know if nuclear bombs have, like, clocks and little whirlwind things. In- Candy stripes. <laughs> like, I'm I sure, I'm sure oh, a nuclear I'm bomb is the most basic-looking thing ever. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, anyway, all right, yes, we have one more scene. Bond is off to meet the president. Who is the president? Who would be president? Kennedy? No, he would have died just before the 62. Yeah, Johnson, Lyndon Johnson. Johnson was president. He's off to meet Mr. Johnson. And we get on the plane. Have we not mentioned the fake toy planes that we've got flying in the sky for the exterior shots of the planes? Yeah. Great sector design there but no it's, it's 1964 ben get over it um and uh we once again uh surprised by oh golfing is here still in his u.s army uniform he loves it by the way um, i love the shot of the, the original pilot yes well, you just because we're all wondering oh what happened to the poor pilots <laughs> we really needed to see that yes yes um and we get this great little fight sequence um and it ends up getting Goldfinger, uh, Gustav Grave style sucked out of a plane. Uh, which unfortunate for this movie. Like we say, like the car chase holds up, the fight with Oddjob holds up, the effect of Goldfinger. <laughs> oh, we Blowfinger now. Gold Blowfinger. The effect of Bert Frobe as Glowfinger and his assistant Oddjob. <laughs> Being sucked out of the window, um, that effect just does not hold up. It, it is so funny to watch, though, that you can totally forgive the bad effect. And, and just really quickly, we needed a James Bond quip there. Shocked in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah, sucks to be you. Um, it's a great fight, though, and... As we said, it would normally be the henchman, but it's great that Goldfinger survived that and he wants his final revenge, the R. Um, but yeah, it looks horrible, but it's still pretty epic that he gets sucked out of a plane. But even when I was eight years old or seven years old, I thought this looks horrible. Um, yeah, it's a great ending to the film. Plane crashes, conveniently happen to be parachutes on board, <laughs> just as there always happens to be. And we get uh, James Bond saying that uh, it's no time to be rescued because he needs to get laid again. Um, I just, uh, again, always want to point out the question, how do they ever get rescued? Again, they've got no mobile phones or anything back in 1964. Like, the helicopter's buggered off. Like, Jesus, they must... Felix has buggered off. (laughs) Like, everyone... gone back to KFC. Yes. Like, I just want them to do a sequel. Like, Thunderball starts off with, like, a bearded Bond, a skeleton of pussy galore. (laughs) 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 And just, you know, a boat just happens to be passing the boat. Oh, thank Christ. I've had to eat her. And not in the way you would find you. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of had the opposite reaction when watching this. You know, he's like, "This is no time to be rescued." So, what does he do to hide from everybody? He covers them with this big, colorful <laughs> striped fluorescent parachute that's in the middle of uh, 
a wide open clearing. Like, <laughs> if you really didn't want to be discovered, run a, a couple of you know meters and hide in the bushes. Don't cover yourself <laughs> yeah. with the thing they're looking for. Oh goodness me! All right, there we go. We're gonna get into our few things to close this up. Just, um, I want to actually one thing that we haven't brought up in a lot of the well, in any of ours is. Um, the interesting figures about sort of the most successful in terms of box office earnings, which I'll get to in a moment, because I've got a list here, which is not only sort of how much they made, um, but also how much they made with adjusted prices, which makes mm-hmm. it a quite interesting look. But before I get to things like that, um, I guess we could touch on overall Goldfinger. I mean, we touched at the beginning before we got started, but and where it all stands up. And I mean, on a rewatch this time around, I you know, you find different things again that you always don't see and that you enjoy. And, and we're watching these differently now because we're taking notes and we're analysing them and trying to be really funny, which, you know, fails to work most of the time. But um, I, I think kind of in, in an overall scheme of things, we've talked about everything that happens. We've talked about the characters, the, the, how great it is. Is it something that stands up to this day and the characters sort of in the overall scheme of things, where do they kind of play up, do you feel, in... The, the Bond universe on villains and women and all that sort of stuff? Um, well, for the movie, first of all, uh, I just want to say, I mean, I think this movie holds up really well. I don't think that anybody could watch this today. It doesn't matter if you've only been watching action movies since The Fast and the Furious brought Vin Diesel back. I mean, <laughs> you're still going to enjoy this movie. It, you don't have to be accustomed to classic movies to get this. I was lucky enough that uh, about a year or two ago, there were a couple of the classic Bond movies that played uh, in the movie theaters here for uh, a couple of days. And I was lucky enough to see Goldfinger. And I had only ever seen the Pierce Brosnan's and Daniel Craig's in the theater. There, Even though I'd seen this so many times that I knew it by heart, there was something about seeing this on a big screen with a crowd that was just a completely different experience. And people always explain Goldfinger as like, the Bond movies were an experience back in the day. And having seen the movie a million times, it still was incredible to see it in the theater. And I couldn't quite put my finger on why that was. Uh, I just think that everything with this movie works. I think that Sean Connery was this kind of tied with Thunderball, having his most fun in the role. Uh, I think that Gerd even though it's not his voice we're hearing, the combination of Gerd and the voice, just the perfect combination for a villain because Goldfinger was kind of a ridiculous villain. You know, if, if anybody else had played this, you couldn't take him seriously. And he's not menacing, but he's annoying. And that's the way that uh, Bond treats him in this movie, just as this annoyance he wants to rid himself of. Pussy galore. When I saw this movie when I was younger, you know, I didn't really get her character. I thought she was kind of boring. But getting the jokes now and everything, you know, I must be dreaming uh, and being able to laugh at some of the things like Bond converting her in the end, like the character holds up so well, even though we've been making fun of her the whole time for being dated. And I think that's partly Honor Blackman. We said she was the oldest Bond girl. She brought a lot of experience to a pretty ridiculous part. and She deserves a lot of credit for what she did to this movie. Yeah, this film is, I had so much fun on this rewatch and I have so much fun. It's one of those ones where, if you're just tired or whatever, you just want to watch a random one. It's one you can easily put on. Like I love From Russia With Love, but that's one you have to kind of pay attention to a lot more and take it all in. This, you can just sit back and enjoy the jokes and the action and the villains and everything. So it's it's really good. Um, again, as I say, it's not my all-time favourite, but it's up there. It's, it's a great film. Um, and 
Goldfinger as a villain, like Doctor No, I, I still love him. Uh, from much I didn't have a solid main villain, but Goldfinger, he is just commands the role, and he's amazing. His plan is unique, and um, his henchman is great. He's got a whole army following him of Koreans. <laughs> um, Bert Frobe is just great, even though he doesn't actually speak. Um, uh, Pussy. Porsche. I think I think she's great, but I also don't think she's the best. Um, as I said, I think there's just I really wish Tilly was a better character and was the main Bond girl getting revenge, and Pussy was kind of just a sub character like the book. Obviously, not the Tilly we talked about, but a different Tilly. Maybe Honor could have played Tilly. Um, like she kind of looks like Jill, but uh, like Goldfinger, Honor Blackman just commands the role and even though she's not my favorite the chemistry between her and connery is just standout and she really adds to the overall experience of this film and on that note connery also i think this is his all-time best performance he's amazing so all around i always have fun with golfing and it's a classic for a reason we should pay mention quickly to honor blackman she quit the avengers to do this film um and the pa- they, I, I mean, I've never really watched the Avengers. I think I saw a bit of that movie that had Uma Thurman in it or something like that. But um, she, they apparently would pay. They paid mention to the fact that she quit, and they got a postcard sent from Fort Knox <laughs> from her character <laughs> in the show because I don't think they were too happy. Um, yeah, like I, I, I kind of agree with everything that Noah really said there, particularly in terms of Porsche. Um, I mean, we we sort of touched on with uh, Honey having a bit of a backstory and. You know, I mean, we don't really have a whole lot of a backstory to to Pussy. Um, sounds so yeah. Whereas, like, we, we we do with Tilly. Like, you know, we we've got that back. We've got a case for why she's doing what she's doing. Whereas, basically, at the end of the day, Honey's only reason is because Bond's got a nice way of Pussy. <laughs> yeah, you said Honey. Um. Yeah. Pu- whatever. Uh. But yeah, I, I guess. Uh, you know, there's more of it in the book for, for Tilly, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, Pussy sold on her name and her line enough <laughs> that she gets ranked up high for sure. Then there really isn't anybody, like, ha- have you seen any lists online where they're listing the greatest Bond girls where Pussy doesn't get mentioned in there? But yeah. as we've been saying, she's not a great character. She's not even that significant to this movie. But I think, again, there's that's where a lot of black... Yeah, and maybe what three scenes you know a couple of lines but that's where honor blackman did such a good job and it's like you were saying she commands the screen and she has such a uh, good chemistry with sean connery and it's it's chemistry that really never was talked in the movie which is probably partly why the next three appearances of sean connery he seems bored by his own bond girls he just kept wanting honor back well do you not think also that um I mean, Bond didn't have to sleep with uh, Pussy. <laughs> uh, he could have slept with one of the flying circuses and the same result would have happened. Like, they could have too, yeah. like, changed the fate of the, you know, like, Honor could have said, no. like, there you go. Bond just could have, you know, tried to get all rapey and she says no and he is a respectful gentleman. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. You said no. So then he, like, tries each one of the flying circuses out until one of them says yes, same outcome. 
Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes. All right. We'll get into our final. So just um, yeah, I mentioned the the box office taken. I think this is quite interesting to look at these. Uh, so if you were to rank um, Goldfinger on the amount that it actually made in 1964, it made 51 million uh, and 81,062 dollars, um, which ranks it as the 14th most successful. Based on that, interestingly enough, uh, just behind the Living Daylights by about a hundred thousand. Dollars, uh, but ahead of a view to a kill, um, and well ahead of twenty lo- years separating them. 20, that should be mentioned, and twenty million dollars more than license to kill ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people really were overbond in nineteen eighty nine. But uh, if you adjust it for inflation, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, it is actually the second most successful Bond movie if you adjust it for inflation. $538 million it makes um, on adjusted totals, which puts it ahead of Skyfall um, and just behind Thunderball, which um, made $607 million when adjusted. So I find that quite fascinating if you do that. And this was the beginning of a Bond phenomenon. Like, people look at the Avengers right now or uh, you know, Jurassic World, the success that has, and they think, wow, this is like the biggest thing there is. It really doesn't compare when you look back at the documentaries and you look back at the type of merchandise and everything from the 60s, even just the amount of imitators. Something like the Avengers doesn't even come close to how popular Goldfinger was and how popular that made Bond as a series. Yeah, and not the Honor Blackman event. Yeah. Well, adjusted for inflation too, Goldfinger, if you look at the all-time adjusted um domestic total for America. It's the 43rd most successful movie of all time when adjusted. So that means Thunderball is the 29th. I mean, adjusted for inflation, it's interesting. 607 million. Jurassic World's made 618 million at the time of this. So adjusted, Thunderball, you know, huge. There you go. It's, um, that's, that's the extent you're looking at. So anyway, won't get too caught up on those. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Mr. Kiss, kiss, Production. Now, all right, I have got, I've got ten kills because I counted there were three in that car that went over. I think I counted every single time he knocked somebody out. <laughs> so, I've probably got a few more there. Uh, two fucks, um, one martini shaken not stirred, and one Bond James Bond. I was there was a bit there where he kind of said like, "Well, my name is James Bond," and then they quickly cut him off, but I didn't count that. So. Yeah, I got two Bond James ones. What was the second? Because I only had the one. Well, it was one then. <laughs> <laughs> Noel was just trying to be the bigger man here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously there was Jill and Pussy for the... the uh, <laughs> and the character Pussy. Yeah, are we renaming the count here? Uh, <laughs> uh, the Bang Bangs, I had four in the car. Um, yeah, I had four in the car. I, I freeze framed it, and I said I must have because the one I looked at, I'm like, there's three. Oh, there might be four, but I'll go with three. Yeah. But I was. It, it yeah. was hard because in most of the shots, it looked like three, but the guy holding the gun was almost always hidden behind the guy in the passenger okay. seat. So. I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, yeah, and then obviously, so I, I had the first guy in the bathtub, the four in the car, uh, one with the gun after he gets out of the car, the ejector seat, odd job, and gold fingers. So I think that brings me to what eight. So you're eight. I'll be, I'm happy with eight. Because, again, I'm counting people he knocks out. So You know what's really painful for this one is Colin had eight, Ben had ten. You've got nine. Can you take a guess at how many I You've had? You've got nine. <laughs> nine. Uh, Can right. you name 
Or is this, like, the extra Bond James Bond? <laughs> well, he's now coward from the question. <laughs> Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Can you name the ninth one, or is this, like, your extra Bond James Bond? <laughs> Do it right. again! Noah, when somebody asks you a question, you answer it! <laughs> no, I... You can't name it. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> no, it's been two weeks, so I'm I'm um, I'm, I, look, I'm happy with eight. Yeah, I'm, I was about to say I'm happy to accept Collins. Um, I mean the the logical thing to do, I surprisingly guess, didn't kill many in that final scene. Well, I was going to say, I mean the logical thing to do, I guess, would be to just take the middle ground. But uh, Noah's logic, I'm happy to take eight if we're all happy to accept eight. Next and... week I won't take nine. Uh, two weeks before I want, we talk about the film. Uh, did anybody else do a count on seven mentions of Operation Grand Slam? Oh, I see. I didn't do that. <laughs> they talked about that so many times. So, okay, eight kills, two pussies. Um, <laughs> one, uh, martini. one martini and one bond. Yeah. All right. Yep. So what's our total? So, okay, so quick total here. So that means we've got 36 kills in total. <laughs> uh, nine fucks slash pussies slash intermittent couches, as I've written on the website. Uh, three vodka martinis and only two Bond James Bond. That's the first Bond James Bond since the opening of we get to see him. So And five mango trees and <laughs> seven Operation Grand I, I haven't put them on the website, but you guys can keep them. <laughs> um, all right, so do we want to do our uh, Hall of Fame scenes or where we'll do our, we'll do our rankings last? Because I think our Hall of Fame scenes are quite easy. My, well, I'll just start off by saying I, I assume everyone's going to agree with it. Uh, we've got gold paint, we've got um, the laser, and we've also got My Name is Pussy Galore. Done it. Yeah. No argument. Uh, I mentions to Odd Jobs hat. Yes. Uh, that would just miss out. Yep. Odd Jobs yeah, uh, uh, I I would give the honorable mention to the uh, what's going on with that map? Well, I don't like this little finger. <laughs> it's like but, a merry-go-round. Yeah, <laughs> this is a merry-go-round. Those three are the obvious choices, and not just obvious choices. I mean, those are the three only choices iconic scenes yeah. still to this day. So those hold up against even. Honorable mention to Colonel Smithers. An honorable mention. Yeah, and to, Colonel Smithers. And to and, Ding. and to odd jobs. Ah ah. Um, ah. He, he said, and Granny with a machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should just you know increase the Hall of Fame by a few slots just for this movie. Um, <laughs> Right. Yeah, those three are obvious. All right, so there are three. Uh, okay, so I'm very intrigued now because this is where it starts to get a bit interesting mm-hmm. with our rankings because obviously Dr. No, well, we only had one option. From Russia with Love, well, we all put it above Dr. No. So this is where those things might get a little bit interesting. Where do we rank Goldfinger? Now, I'm guessing I have to go first here because I meant to go first. I am going to put it first. So I will put it ahead of From Russia With Love and Dr. No. So Goldfinger, From Russia With Love, Dr. Right, no. Yeah, I'm putting it right in between them. So uh, oh, after second. after From Russia With Love, second after From Russia With Love, and ahead of Dr. No. Ooh, okay. We've got our first uh, change up. Yeah, I thought I thought for sure Cullen was going to be putting it number one for some reason. Um, I thought I was going to be the controversial one. I've been thinking hard today, and I think there was just so much more in From Russia with Love to talk about, no matter how great Goldfinger is. And you know I love Dr. No, but I'm putting it straight in the middle as well. So From Russia with Love 1, Goldfinger 2, Dr. No 3. But I love them all. 
Oh, so we've got different opinions. I was just saying, I mean, I, I sort of just quickly said straight out that I put it there. I didn't give an explanation. I mean, I do love From Russia With Love, and I was thinking about whether I would keep it uh, number one. But uh, just on the, the pure basis that Goldfinger set the standard for really what Bond films follow. And I look, we joke about my love for Die Another Day and Pierce Brosnan movies, but to me, I mean, we'll get to them and... You know, my number one choice is going to have people laughing the fact that I will have one of Brosnan's films to me as the greatest Bond film of all time. And it's not Die Another Day. Um, but I, I just, I enjoy that style of it. And it, I mean, from Russia with Love, you could almost put that as just a standalone spy film, um, which is great in itself. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I just like this formula that it has. I like the, the humor, the campiness to it, and just how it all is. And that's why, to me, it just takes, for my personal tastes, a little bit of a step ahead from Russia with Love. Yeah. I would be really close to agreeing with you, Ben. Um, I think that just because of how good From Russia with Love is, kind of what you said, as a, as a standalone movie, it's one of the few bonds that could exist without a lot of the regular stereotypes and cliches. I would rank it a little bit higher because it is a better movie. But everything you said about Goldfinger, I completely agree about it. I think those two movies are so close together. Yes, yeah, super close for me too. Love them. All right. Well, uh, that basically uh, brings us to a close of Goldfinger. Um, but we he loves only gold. Uh, no more talking about Dink and Miley and their whirlwind adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Just special appearance by Colonel Smithers. Uh, <laughs> any final that famous episode where Dinking and Smithers hook up yes. <laughs> oh but then three uh, episodes later Miley also hooks up oh, oh there's a love triangle controversial for 64 uh, before... which was her revenge as she tried to watch <laughs> Dink and Colonel Smithers <laughs> They put some shaving cream on the mirror. Yes. <laughs> Before we close this out, any final thoughts anybody wants to add on Goldfinger? Uh, not on Goldfinger. Um, I think we've said all that needs to be said, but I'm, for one, excited for next week because I think doing Thunderball, we're going to get some differing opinions. I'm a huge fan of Thunderball. I also can completely understand some of the complaints about it because it's not a perfect movie, but... Thunderball is the one that I've been most looking forward to talking about just because it's going to be great as we've done three movies in a row of everybody loving it to see what's different next time. And Noah, I know you hate it, don't you? (laughs) Um, Well, Goldfinger, Concrete, from here on out, we won't be talking much about how it's influenced future films. From now on, we're kind of in the future films. There'll be a bit of a discussion, but this is kind of the end of the the beginnings. Uh, Thunderball... This is probably the one I'm least looking forward to out of the first four. Um, and we will get some differing opinions. I don't hate Thunderball at all. I love Thunderball. I love all the Bond films. But it's one that I watch the least out of them all. And it's one that I'm not dying to rewatch and to talk about. So there will be a bit of a debate. But I don't hate it. I still like it. Um, so it's going to be interesting next week because I feel like we've all been in agreement for these first three. And it's going to shift up. Well, just really quickly, I should really have this up ready to go. We we mentioned in terms of the Rolling Stone list uh, that was a little bit... Cool. I mean, and look, uh, so many lists over the years. We, we, I think we'll just single out Rolling Stone because, I mean, Rolling Stone's generally a reputable... <laughs> well, it's a reputable magazine and all that sort of stuff. Goldfinger was ranked number one on the... Uh, 
best all-time. Peter Travers, whoever he is, he loves his uh, uh, James Bond movies. But yes. He's an idiot. <laughs> 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 we won't spoil some of the results. Well, he is an idiot because yeah, he has I Thunderball number nine thing. and he has Die Another Day at ten. Die Another Day clearly should be ahead of Thunderball. So... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, all right. Thank you, uh, everybody at home, for uh, listening to our retrospective of Goldfinger. Uh, my name is Ben, and ah ah, Colin Hilding, uh, and I'm one of those who can't think quick on his feet for something funny to say at the end. Thanks for listening to me, and good night. Felix, say hello to Ben. Hi, Ben. Ding, say goodbye to Felix. Uh, man talk. Girl's dead. Ding. There's a plane leaning for me under in an hour. Man has achieved miracles in every field of human endeavor, except crime. Now, here's to Operation Grand Slam. Now, pay attention, please. Little red button. Eject to see your jockey. Isn't it customary to grant the condemned man his last request? You've asked for this. Double blowout. I've never seen one of these before. Shocking. Positively shocking. I'm beginning to like Mr. Bond more than anyone I've met in a long time. The president said he was entirely satisfied. That makes two. Sir, I'm aware of my shortcomings. My name is Pussy Galore. I must be pretty painful. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. I doubt very much that the Miami Beach police would take kindly to what you're doing. And Pussy? I must have appealed to maternal instincts. Why do you do it? It pays me. That only pays you. I suppose listening to the Beatles and all you are. Dr. Tasha gets damaged when examined. So sorry. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. I do not do business with Chicago. What's what that trick pool team? Turn those lights back on. What are you trying to pull, Goldfinger? What's the matter? Hey, what's going on? I don't like this. Aha! If that's his original ball, I'm Arnold Palmer. <laughs>